JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. What in the hell do you think you are doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get laid. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Oh, oh the dickens. Double time. Miles Turner. Yeah. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The fan. I'm going to get started on a Wednesday. Thank you so much for joining us. Rest of the week, we are on the road. Coming up tomorrow, Eddie's in Noblesville is our location, and they actually sent me a number of specials they have going on. And I'll be honest with you, when one of the specials would be Sloppy Joe's. You have me at Sloppy Joe's. I'll go over that, why you should be there. That's a tavern tour stop, by the way, with betting analyst Brett Halverson, and he'll be up there with us tomorrow. Stuff to give away and a great time. That is Eddie's in Noblesville, our tavern tour stop for the month of May. That is coming up tomorrow. Uh, Of course, you've got Carb Day coming up on Friday, Pagoda Plaza. And it seems to me, I have not had this completely verified yet, but it seems to me that the um, the concert, the performances have been moved back a little bit. Normally, it's just finishing up when I'm finishing up around 6. But I saw where it was like 4 to 5 for Soul Asylum, 5.30 to 7 for Brian Adams. And uh, speaking of Brian Adams, too, this is a non-sports news, but it is big news today. And there is a relation, a connection, if you will. Brian Adams in 1985 had a duet. It's called It's Only Love with Tina Turner. I believe that is still a part. He does it on his own, but still a part of his catalog and his set list when he performs. Uh, Tina Turner passed away. We got that news just Oh, I don't know, within the last 15 or 20 minutes at the age of 83. And Tina Turner was elite level. That is a big one and incredibly sad. 
Now, most of us know Tina Turner from when she came back, right? Went through a lot. You know the story. What's love got to do with it? And, you know, that uh, biopic, if you will, uh, that scored Academy Awards. But just an incredible career for Tina Turner, who passes away at the age of 83, they say peacefully earlier today. And Tina Turner did that duet with Brian Adams. And I do believe that's going to be on his set list coming up on Friday. It is only love. RIP to one of the greatest to ever do it, one of the greatest to ever perform. That would be Tina Turner. Incredible. And Tina Turner passes away once again today. Within the last 20 minutes or so, we got word of that. At the age of 83. And it would not surprise me, Skivvies, one bit if there is not a shout-out coming up on Friday at Carb Day uh, with that in mind. Because that is a mammoth loss in entertainment right there. There's no doubt about that. Mammoth. I'm sure we'll double back to that coming up a little bit later on today. Now, with the Indy 500 in mind, we'd kind of wondered who was going to end up being the ceremonial pace car driver, and that will be Pacers guard Tyrese Halliburton. I believe only one other Pacer has ever done it, right? I think Reggie Miller has done it before. That about it. So Tyrese Halliburton is going to be the ceremonial pace car driver as he will line them up. And get them set for the 107th running of the greatest spectacle in racing. And speaking of which, we are loaded up with those. The 2019 champion, Simon Pagano, is going to join us. Meyer Shank Racing, bottom of this hour. Connor Daly of ECR. That's Ed Carpenter Racing. Connor Daly's got an event later on tonight. We'll talk up to Connor is going to be here in the 4 o'clock hour. The track dude, Michael Young, on the show. Bowen from the morning show, Kevin Inquiry, in the 5 o'clock hour. And uh, Tony Donahue, former producer. Um, always friend of this show and of mine. He does burnout sports, and uh, he's going to be with Connor Daly coming up later on this evening. I believe that is at Hamilton Town Center up there at uh, place uh, Total Wine, I believe, is where it is up there. It's where you'll find Connor Daly and Tony Donahue after you find them on this show coming up at 4 and 5.30, respectively, as we will be incredibly ready to go. And hopefully you are too, as we count it down. Make no mistake about it. Now, if you were watching the NBA last night, the Celtics pushed this thing a little bit further. Kind of interesting, too. You might have had more of a Shaquille O'Neal presence or a longer presence in Indianapolis. Now you get that game, what game five is coming up tomorrow night. So you're thinking that Boston maybe gets a home win, doesn't go out at home in five games and pushes that back to Miami where you would get a Saturday game. And then obviously Shaquille O'Neal, that is DJ Diesel, is going to be inside the snake pit coming up on Sunday as the Indianapolis 500 moves along. So we'll follow that. Yeah, kind of interesting, too, was like a second-half wake-up call for the Celtics. That was more like what we saw the most of the year so far, wasn't it? I mean, we all thought the Celtics would be at the top of the list and would be the team to beat, and in the first 
three games, they didn't look like at all they were the team to beat. They looked easily beatable. Twice at home and once on the road, and it just looked like in the second half, for whatever reason, the Celtics kind of woke up a little bit. Needed a bit of a wake-up call. And that's exactly what they got. And needed, too. I I thought, really, the NBA, I thought it needed it, too. Because there's not a lot of other stuff going on right now. There's a lot of rumor as far as what teams are going to do in the offseason, how they're going to handle it, how they're going to end up handling their open coaching situations, some of those teams. Most prominent names mentioned with some of these openings, especially the one in Phoenix is that of either Nick Nurse or Doc Rivers. Now that Doc Rivers is available, you have a lot of good NBA jobs. Make no mistake about it. A lot of really good NBA jobs. Now, they also come with the territory of guys that will get you fired. Uh, In Philly, that'll get you fired. If James Harden's still around there, you know the situation. Wherever Kevin Durant goes outside of Golden State, it kind of seems like that happens uh, either during his time or after his time. But there are good jobs available. There is no question about that. I thought the NBA needed that. I thought the NBA needed to prolong. I don't think you want two finals to go four zip, four zip, and then sit on this and wait. Until June the 1st. We talked about that as much yesterday. But it was entertaining. And it was an entertaining second half. That was, again, more like what we thought the Celtics were going to be over the course of this postseason. And especially in the Eastern Conference Finals. Jason Tatum goes for 34-11-7 in that game. And again, Eastern Conference Finals, Game 5, Thursday, 8.30. That's on TNT, of course, out west. The Nuggets await their competition. We'll see if they know coming up on Thursday evening or if it's going to be prolonged even more so until Saturday. But that is the way that it goes. You know, everybody I've been talking to, I brought this up yesterday, and we didn't have time to really get into it in depth, but... Does it seem like to everybody else that this 500 ticket seems to be a little hotter right now than it has been? Am I wrong about that? Now, granted for me, I mean, I kind of set that standard at the 100th running, and that thing was incredible. I mean, everybody wanted to be a part of that. But I kind of view this in terms of how people reach out to me and what people want, what people expect what people think you might have. And there have been more than a couple of people ask me about race day tickets. And around here, other than giving them away last week, I don't know if I've seen any. But it is a much larger group that are asking and wanting to know if they can go, where they can go, and are making these last-minute decisions. So, I, you know, maybe this happens this way every year with the last-minute decisions. But it doesn't seem like it's happened at this level of interest around here in a while. And again, maybe going back to, obviously, the 100th running. 
but it seems like everybody's wanting to go. I don't know how many of you are going to go, how many of you are going to sit at home and obviously listen to that on the radio starting at 6 a.m. with me and Tony Katz all the way through the race and then Greg Rakestraw with the post-race show. But again, I just go by how many people have been asking. And and really, it's not people saying, hey, you got some tickets. Give me some tickets. It's those that are asking, where can I go and maybe win these? Are you guys going to give away some more? Do you have them? And I, I mentioned this yesterday, too. And maybe this doesn't play a role. But I think that the longer-term forecast that looks much like it does today, I think that plays significantly into this, too. And people all of a sudden are going, oh, man, Sunday looks really nice. You know, let's go out there. It didn't look really too hot. What, around 78 degrees? Past couple, you go out there and it's been sizzling. I know the one, what, three years ago. I think it was around 90, 87, somewhere in that neighborhood. But maybe it's the weather that plays a role. Hopefully, it's just about the race itself. Because, again, you have to talk this. When you bring up the race... If it's people around here that you're talking to, they get it, they understand. If it's people not from around here, they have heard of it, but they don't really get it, nor understand it. And we've been talking about this for years. There is a level in which you need to reach, you need to touch, and I know that they're out there trying. And you know that they're out to wanting to do that, but it is just becoming incredibly difficult. When we were talking to Joe A. Erickson of the Star yesterday about where the NFL is going, we all know where that's going, right? Now, we are going to be pay-per-view sooner rather than later. It looks like that they want us to be Stream City. Yeah, that is pretty funny. JME, there's still tickets for sale on the IMS website. I do say that. <laughs> they just want free tickets from you. That is true. And with that, I don't mind. It's okay, because that's what we do. When you give as much as we do, then people have a level of expectation to wait for you to give again and again and again. And I don't mind it. I don't mind it. We live in a world right now, and I've said this. I want to be the Pied Piper of having you get some enjoyment and some fun in your life. We run into too many roadblocks of crapola. Everybody is way too happy to make you feel bad. Not me. I want to make you feel good. Why? Because I want to feel good. Because I want to have fun. We deal with way too much crap. To find enjoyment on any level of giving somebody else crap. So, again, if I have them to give away, I will. See, there you go, Derek. Can I? Can you hook me up? Exactly. It's how it should be. That's what I want it to be. It's outstanding. But, yeah, IMS.com, if you are still looking... See, BT writes this, the tickets for the 500 on the resale market haven't decreased, tells me that there is a demand. I just, again, I, I feel it from when when people ask me about it. And maybe there was a bit of a hangover still from COVID. I hate to continue to use that as an excuse, but maybe there was. I mean, maybe it just took it a minute to get back into, I, I don't know. That's what some people say, not necessarily me, but that's what's been said. It seems like this one is when you officially kind of get it back. 
Get it back to that normalcy sense there. We were chasing normalcy for so many years, it seems. But IMS.com, if you indeed are looking for them. Yeah, make no mistake about that. See, I get this all the time. People ask me when I go other places that don't necessarily know too much about the 500. People ask me about it, ask about the experience. And the experience out there is so much more than just the race itself. It is about going out there. It is about soaking it all up. You got to kind of find your place to have some fun, your spot to have some fun. Well, it's you and your family, you and friends, your people watching, and there's plenty of that to do. We know uh, by virtue of social media, everybody does so much people watching in social media. That's where you can do it live. And you can see damn near everything go down. I remember being shocked about that. Back when I was in, I said my first one was 77. I was seven years old. That's when A.J. Foyt won his fourth. And then I went, not consistently every year, but here and there for those those next years. And in my early teens, yeah, I remember going out there and it was kind of an eye-opener. It was an eye-opener. It was an eye-opener to go and sit in the infield, and it was an incredible eye-opener when Georgetown Road was Georgetown Road in front of IMS. When you had the White Castle, when you had the Steak and Shake, when you had the Winter Circle, when you had the Wild Cherry, and you had that right there, you know, that whole, that, um, I shouldn't even say it after I said the wild cherry. When you have that kind of three-way get-together right there with the White Castle, I mean, that will leave some lasting memories. So it's a little bit different than that now, but it seems like you always come away with something that story-wise you continuously will share with others. No matter if it happened yesterday, a week ago, And thank you, Sarah. Georgetown Road. Georgetown Road did rule. There was nothing dirtier. All of you that attended IU and thought the dirtiest place you'd ever been into was the La Bombas at 3.30 in the morning on Kirkwood. Uh Uh-uh. No. No, no. No, nothing was ever as dirty as the White Castle that was right there at Georgetown Road and... It was ridiculous. Where 16th and Crawfordsville and Georgetown converge, there was nothing more filthy right before, during, and then after than that place. (laughs) But it was memories. A lot of memories. And that's what people are going for, a good time and memories. And then I guess you ultimately are able to sell people on enjoying the names and the race and getting involved. I always think that there is, and logically that's the case, it is tough to go from the end of the race and the excitement that you have and then, okay, well, go to Belle Isle and then now there's a race in Detroit. Or even before that when they used to go immediately to Texas. And run another oval. 
just have not been able to bridge the gap there. I don't know if they're ever going to be able to bridge the gap to the point to where they want it, where it's necessary. But we shall see. Talked to actually a couple a little bit earlier today. Uh, we'll probably re-rack that. Actually, Simon Pagano, bottom of the hour, is a great conversation to have in terms of somebody that has won that race before. And he actually, if you remember, won that race in 2019, starting on the pole. And a lot of people believe that Alex Pelot has as good a shot to do that coming up on Sunday than anybody has since 2019. Yeah, no, no doubt. Uh, Simon Pagano can certainly share on that, and he'll talk with us coming up at the bottom of the hour. John Day writes this, even though I've never been there, I think the best way to describe the experience of being at the Speedway on Carb Day, or Race Day for that matter, is like the State Fair on steroids, a massive amount of steroids. Yeah, it may be the State Fair on like everything, right? If you were like... uh it's like the Richard Pryor and his worst moments right there. That's what it's kind of like right there. It is something. Now, once again, it seems like a ticket that is becoming hotter and hotter as we move along. Yeah, I know. Those of you down on Kirkwood and Bloomington know all about coming out of Nick's or Upstairs or Kilroy's and then roaming over at about 3.30 in the morning to La Bamba and how big of a mess that place was. It does not even come close to what that White Castle looked like. Not even close. You could eat off the La Bamba floor at 3.30 a.m. on Kirkwood after a night at the bars (laughs) more than you could just walking in to that White Castle. In Speedway. Almost like a rite of passage. They kind of knew it, too. We're just going to get out of the way. See what happens. All right, we'll talk about that. I have no tickets to give away, but again, IMS.com if you want those. And we do want you to follow us around. Again, coming up tomorrow, Eddie's in Noblesville. That's a tavern tour stop with Heaven Hill Distillery. Cannot wait to see you there. And they have sent me a significant list of really good-looking food. That is going to be on special coming up tomorrow. That's Eddie's in Noblesville with us on a tavern tour stop. That is coming up tomorrow at 3. And then we will be on Friday at Carb Day in Pagoda Plaza, where we always are. Yeah, I saw Will Carroll just tweeted me this. I bet we get a Tina tribute on Carb Day because Brian Adams about 20 minutes ago, RIP Tina Turner. My condolences to Irwin and Tina's family. I'll be forever grateful for the time we spent together on tour, in the studio, and as friends. Thank you for being the inspiration to millions of people around the world for speaking your truth and giving us the gift. I remember how many times Tina Turner played here in India. I saw Dave Lindquist had one when she was still with Ike Turner that went pretty far back. And then I think Jake Query said in 1984 that she opened up for Lionel Richie here in Indianapolis. But that is a major loss. And in case you missed it, Tina Turner. Tina Turner, one of the greatest to ever do, one of the best performers that we have ever seen, passed away earlier today at the age of 83. 
Um, certainly one of the most incredible voices ever heard. That certainly was elite. And Tina Turner was 83. All right, quick break. I've got block party tickets for you featuring Jodeci, Drew Hill, and SWV coming up. I mentioned Tony Donahue's back on the show from Burnout Sports at 5.30. We got Kevin Bowen in the 5 o'clock hour. Track dude Michael Young at 4.30. Connor Daly, ECR at 4 o'clock. And a former champion that knows how to get it done from the pole to the finish to the win. Simon Paginot, the 2019 champion, Meyer Shank Racing, set to join us coming up on the other side, inside the lounge via YouTube Live, HD Radio, the stream, the app, and 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. The Ride with JMV. Look at all those ding-dongs. 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. One of the greatest to ever do it. Tina Turner passes away today at the age of 83. R.I.P. to the greatness of Tina Turner. I don't know how many times Tina Turner played here in Indianapolis, but evidently it was at least a couple. And the news surfaced about 35, 40 minutes ago. Tina Turner passed away at the age of 83. Sad news. No doubt about it. From Burnout Sports, friend of this show, former producer of this show, Tony Donahue. Five o'clock hour. Kevin Bowen's going to be here in the five o'clock hour. The track dude, Michael Young, comes at you at 4.30. Connor Daly of Ed Carpenter Racing coming up here at four o'clock. But on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline right now, we have a former champion from pole to the win back in 2019. He's going to be starting in row number eight coming up on the 107th running of the greatest spectacle in racing. Simon Pagano joins us. Hello, Simon. How are you today? Hello, I'm great. I just just heard about the news, uh, Tina Turner, man. That's, uh, you know, she... She rocked my childhood, so really, really sad to hear the passing. That is a great way to put it. And obviously, being from France, you know, I'm here from from Indiana, it didn't matter. Because if you're around your age, our age, Tina Turner did help, musically speaking, shape what we listened to during our childhood. That is incredibly meaningful, and you may not realize that completely, and unfortunately, Simon, until somebody or that person in this case is gone. Exactly, exactly. It's such a such a surprising thing, but uh, she was great and really, really, really marked my childhood. You know, raised I was raised in France, and she was a huge star. So, um, you know, very, very sad to hear the news. Yeah, but just, she had a great life, though. Yeah, one of the more original voices you will ever hear and she was in in one film that i knew obviously the the biopic what's love got to do with it was about her life but she was in mad max beyond thunderdome and it, it i still can't get past when she says thunderdome nobody else says it like tina turner it was awesome <laughs> Back in go. the day. All right, so um, preparation. You're on a Wednesday today. You've been through this many times before. You've won this thing back in 2019. Do you have a routine of preparation with the uh, the week leading up to the race? Anything you do? Well, you know, the, the biggest thing is we, we try to uh, promote the race as much as possible. I just went to a, a school, elementary school, uh, with Elio, actually, and we had a great time with the kids. And it's basically what we do is just sharing our uh, passion for the sport, for the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and the race. 
with kids and, and raising awareness towards what it is, uh, what makes that race so special. And it was so cool. The kids were so excited. We played games and uh, we had a great time. So that's kind of what we do. And when we have a, a moment, um, about an hour at a time, then I try and go see my engineers and discuss what they found um, when it comes to uh, performance and uh, and what the weather is going to be and, and how to approach the race coming up. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be fantastic weather from the way yeah, we look at it harder, right now. The harder for us, the better. Well, our race car is so good, um, so the harder, the better for us. So Simon Pagano joins us. I want to get into some of the things that uh, you guys hope to do coming up on Sunday. But when you were growing up, when did you become aware of the Indy 500? At what age? You know, the Indy 500, the, the funny thing is, is um, I was already into racing when I, uh, when I heard of it. And um, I remember vividly of a day at my grandpa's house. Uh, and it was a Sunday. We were just... Uh, was just having a great time with my cousins, and uh, there was this big black uh, TV, big box TV, um, black and white, and uh, and I heard about the excitement uh, on the TV, so I, I poked my eye around and saw that it was the Indy 500, and it was the year that Rick Mears was fighting with uh, Michael Andretti, 90, I believe it was 91. Um, so I was basically five years old, and uh, sorry, seven years old, and um, and that race was going on. It was so exciting, and that's the first time I heard of the Indy 500. And since then, it, it was a dream, dream to uh, see it, then a dream to drive in it, and then a dream to win. Yeah, you go from pole to winning. I I thought about this a little bit earlier when when I knew you were going to come on the show. How great, I mean, it's a great day. You win and it's a great day, right? But I mean, how near perfect do you have to be to drive from the pole and then to take that thing home and to win it? Ah, oh, 100%. It was a perfect day, a perfect month for us because we won the Grand Prix, we won the pole uh, at Indy, and then we won the race. And honestly, the pit stops were perfect. The strategy was perfect. The car was fastest than anyone. And my drive was probably one of my best drives ever. So, you know, that day was a heaven day in racing. You don't get many of those days in a career. Uh, I was just very fortunate that it happened uh, here at the biggest race in the world. Were you a perfect driver that day? Honestly, uh, I hate saying it, but it was definitely my my. I, up until that time, it was my best performance. Uh, so what, what, was that perfect at the time? Yes, because, you know, uh, that's yep. what I was trying to reach. Uh, would it be perfect today? Probably not, because <laughs> you always try to improve. <laughs> I, um, Simon, I was thinking about it from this standpoint is you probably remember, because you're so high level, you probably remember every, every bobble, every mistake you make as a driver. And when you have a race like that, I mean, it's easy to cover up all that, the mistakes you make during the race if you win it. But if you go from the pole and then win it in the fashion in which you did in 2019, you would probably easily remember mistakes like that. They would stick out. And when you can't vividly remember something like that, you did have a pretty darn good day. There's no doubt about that. Was that your best day ever as a driver? Um uh- yeah, I mean, you know what? Actually, the 2021, when I finished third, right behind uh, Elio and Palou, I think was an even better drive, uh, but it didn't show because I didn't win, right? So, yeah. um, you know, the car wasn't the fastest that day, but I came back from, I believe, 20, 
20th somewhere on the grid to, to third and it was a tough year to pass and we were able to do it. So to me, that was a better race, more complete even. So, um, you know, sometimes you actually do better in defeat and uh, but it doesn't get uh, shown as much. What made that a better drive than one in which, I mean, other than making up so much ground and coming back in the fashion in which you did, what what made it from a driving standpoint a better drive, even more so than the time when you won in 2019? Well, simply, um, honestly, when you start at the back, it's much harder because you have to pass all these cars and you have so much adversity. Um, you know, starting at the front with the fastest car, it, it's a simple job. You just gotta, you just gotta get it done. Uh, but then when you start at the back, you have to make things happen. Um, and uh, to me, that was a, a very aggressive race. Uh, we drove on the limit the entire time in 2021. And I didn't waste any time uh, going to the front. There was a, a race against the watch, you know, to try to be in a, a contending uh, position by, you know, lap 170. And we got there and then we fought for the win. So, um, so that was great. And a lot of fun, um, very difficult to get there on time uh, and then have a chance to, to fight for the win. It's uh, Simon Pagino joins us, the former champion of the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. How did you uh, come away this past weekend thinking about your team, where you are, your car, and uh, what you might be able to do coming up on Sunday? What were your thoughts after this past weekend? You know, I really like my odds. Um, my race car feels really, really good in traffic. I'm starting uh, I'm starting 22nd, which is uh, the, the number I was racing when I won the race. And I'm on 8th row, which was my first racing number, 8. So I think my uh, superstition is really coming together here. You're selling me on uh, this, too, because I'm incredibly superstitious. <laughs> You're selling me right I here. Very, I can't be superstitious when I need to be. <laughs> And, you know, in this job, it's all about believing and convincing yourself that you can get it done. And I'm certainly at that level now. Um, we just had a great night with my crew at Top Golf. Um, it is not a partner of mine, but we really had a good time <laughs> just being together. Uh, you know, it's about chemistry. And yeah. I feel like my team is really gelling. We, we had a tough start of the season, but we are in a good spot right now. And I, I really like that. Uh, I like my race car, and I like the way that I feel. So... I think we, we have all the chances in the world uh, to be contending for it. Simon Pagano joins us. Is that a part of the feel leading up to Sunday and, and Sundays of the past with the Indy 500 in mind, feeling that your team is gelling together? Is that something that, that you have gauged over the years before the race, the week leading up to? For sure. It's uh, it's very important. You know, you're not alone driving that race car. you you, you got to have a crew around you. You need to have a strategist with you as well. And it's um, it's about aligning all the stars. Uh, and that's very important. And that mojo, you know, is everything in racing. So if you can feel that way, then it's, um, it gives you the, the boost of confidence you need. And I certainly feel that way today. So it's, uh, it's exciting. Are you superstitious? Uh, you know, in general, no. Are but, you superstitious uh, like when it benefits you? Because I, I kind yeah, of am me 100%. too. Yeah, hundred percent. That's exactly how I am. What, uh, <laughs> what, uh, what was the last? Uh, what was the last? When, the, when was the last time that you you recognized it was obvious to you you were superstitious about something? Was it a, a number? Was it something that took place? What was it? When I won in nineteen, the morning of the race, um, I just felt something different, and I told my wife. Uh, bring Ma- Norman, our dog, bring Norman to Victory Lane and the French flag. 
She said, Simon, you never say stuff like that. I said, yeah, because today I'm going to win. And uh, <laughs> and it was, uh, you know, in a way it was superstition. In a way, uh, I had seen the number 22 everywhere that month. <laughs> and, uh, and I just believed. Um, but it was outrageous to other people because, you know, before the race I called it. Yeah. And it happened. Uh, and it's the only time in my career I've done that. That is, that is calling your shot right there. So, yeah. 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 I, no, it was pretty cocky. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, did the uh, your driver friends, what, how did they feel about that when, when you told them that story? Well, I, I, I haven't told uh, my uh, driver friends because I don't have many. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I did tell all my buddies, yes, and, and my family. Uh, I did tell that story. But, uh, yeah, it was... It was a uh, it was a weird omen for sure. Yeah, I um I stop and and pick up pennies uh, because you know find a penny, pick it up all the day. You'll have good luck. Would you do that if you found one out in front of your RV, like when you're getting yeah. ready and get? Would you p- pick up the penny and rub it? I would definitely do that, especially if I saw um you know um the the four uh, four leaf um, oh, yeah. four leaf as well on the ground. I would definitely pick it up and put it in a special place. Simon, I grabbed <laughs> I, I grabbed a penny from the Kroger parking lot this morning. <laughs> you did? <laughs> yeah, I don't well, even know. I don't know what I'm needing good luck for. I just I think to just to make it like to keep going, I need that that good luck. So exactly, um, Meyer Shank Racing, Simon Pagano. Before I let you go here, uh, you said the team chemistry. You feel that gel. You like where you are right now. You feel pretty good about Sunday, all in all, don't you? I do. You know, I don't think we have uh, the pace uh, to be on the pole position. Obviously, we we don't we don't have that. But we have a car that's really consistent. I'm really happy about how the tires are behaving on my car. And the hotter it's going to be, the more it's going to show the weaknesses of other cars. And uh, it looks like it's going to be a hot day. So yeah, I feel I feel very conf- confident, very comfortable. Uh, I know how to play the game. I think that's the biggest thing with experience now. Um, so yeah, I look forward to Sunday. I'm actually excited about Sunday, and I can't, I'm counting the days. So uh, I'm in a good spirit. I may change my pick here. I had initially hey. picked Takuma. Um, you know, I'm a good salesman. That's what my dad does. So you know, I learned from. <laughs> I think you sold me. I may have to change it now. <laughs> I feel good about, it, especially with all this penny and four leaf clover stuff. I mean, I I'm, I may have to change that up. Hey, the best of luck to you. You're always a fantastic conversation. I appreciate well, you more you. than you know. The best of luck coming up on Sunday, and hopefully next week uh, we're doing this with you after your your second win coming up here on Sunday. I'll talk to you next week then. You got it. Simon Pagano right right there. I love it on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Then I'll talk to you next week then. That's funny. My dad is a good salesman. Was he selling us on something that he wanted us to believe or was he telling us something he did believe? Going to ask you that. We'll come back with that question on the other side. Connor Daly coming up at the top of the hour. As you can tell, among the conversations of drivers, and I know James, that's probably the first time you've heard him. He's right there at the top of the list. Always. Simon Pagel, though, the 2019 Indy 500 champ, with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. Connor Daly, Michael Young, Kevin Bowen, Tony Donahue, all still to come. 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Are you kidding? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan.
Inside the lounge via YouTube Live and Simon Paginot was outstanding. The former winner, 2019, from pole to the win. Simon Paginot of Meyer Shank Racing, the podcast 1075thefan.com. He called a shot. He called a shot. He said he called a shot in 2019 when he won it. And he just called a shot right there. He also mentioned superstitions. Am I alone in this? Because I am incredibly superstitious. And I will, if I'll turn around and drive a different direction, I don't walk under ladders. I try not to step on cracks in the sidewalk. And as he mentioned, normally it is to benefit you Uh, your psyche, your conscience, whatever. But I do. I wish there was a way I could break it. I don't want to be. I pick up pennies, find a penny, pick it up. All the day you'll have good luck. Four-leaf clovers, they're just hard to look for. Anybody wish upon a star? All that stuff. It's Superstitions are weird. I think about that all the time. John Day writes this, so Johnny Rutherford JMV is also superstitious just prior to the 19850. A ladybug, his good luck symbol landed on his shoulder. That is true. The ladybug that uh, is around you, you get it, and then you right? I think you blow blow it off your hand or something like that, and you make a wish. No? I have no idea. I know way too much about this. That's problematic. When he saw it, he told his wife, all these other all these other cats might as well pack up and go home because we just won this thing, and he did. <laughs> Simon Paginot just told a very relatable story from 2019. That was really good. JMV, I am so superstitious, superstitious, I should say, that there are words that you aren't allowed to say at work because it will jinx us. I get that. I get that. It's from Brian Kelly, the shop, Broad Ripple and Carmel. And by the way, the shop has a setup out at IMS. Check that out with all their gear. My younger brother has a drink, more beer and Jaeger bombs at Eddie's. Oh, no, I'm sorry. My brother has consumed more beer and Jaeger bombs at Eddie's than anybody in Indiana. I'll see you tomorrow. We'll be there. Eddie's in Noblesville. I do not, however, drink Jaegermeister. I hope that's okay. No Jaeger. Never. Don't ever be the dude that buys a round of Jaeger. You buy the round of Larceny. You buy the round of Evan Williams. You buy the round of Luna Azul Tequila. You never buy the round of Jaeger. Because there's nobody there that wants to drink the Jaeger. Is there? It's incredible. You do. They sell. People buy. I'll never get it. Michael Young, 430, Kevin Bowen, and Tony Donahue in the five. Jodeci SWV tickets for an August show at TCU Amphitheater. And from Ed Carpenter Racing, friend of the show, Connor Daly joins us next. 
The Ride with JMV. Can you fly this plane and land it? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Tina Turner, legendary Tina Turner, has passed away at the age of 83 today. Sad news. Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Two men enter, one man leave. James, have you seen Thunderdome? I've not seen the new Mad Max. I have not actually seen Thunderdome. What's that called? Glory Road or whatever uh, it is? Fury Road. Fury, Fury Road. Road. I saw that one. <laughs> Fury Road. It was a good one. Um, I like Beyond Thunderdome. Remember, they manufactured crap into a fuel. <laughs> it's kind of like me right here. I manufacture crap into conversation. Talk about a lot of things. Hey, speaking of a shout-out here, Indiana State Baseball, a great season to date. The Missouri Valley Baseball Tournament's going on in Terre Haute. Indiana State and UIC. Now, um, I said I'm superstitious, and hopefully the last time I talked to Mitch Hannes on this show, and they were just winning at an incredible clip. I think maybe had won what, 21 of 22? And I swear to you, and this will probably make our next guest hang up as, as he's listing on hold, uh, the next game they lost after I had Mitch Hannes on, but they have still been playing well, UIC, this afternoon for Indiana State. Meantime, Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. I try often not to be a drag. I try very often uh, not to be um, a jinx to those that appear on this show from Ed Carpenter Racing. Friend of this show is Connor Daly, who is with us right now. Does it worry you that maybe you're getting a bit of a jinx by appearing on this show today? I hope not. I think I could point to several other things that uh, could be jinx-worthy, but uh, I don't really believe in that stuff. I'm just going to go out and do my uh, my job on Sunday and hope it all works out. <laughs> See, it's what's funny. I just talked to Pagano, right? And I didn't know that he was that level of superstitious until I talked to him. So a lot of, a lot of guys, you aren't, clearly. A lot of guys around there that you know, are they, are they superstitious that you're racing against from what you know? I would say so, yeah. Um, I mean, it's you know, it's easy to get your let your mind run with things. Uh, it's easy uh, afterwards as well to look back at things and think, you know what? That's probably why I didn't have the best day ever. So uh, that that's that's easy to do as a driver, um, especially in a sport and a race where um, so much can happen that's outside of our control. And uh, all we got to do is do the best job we can do, and whatever happens. Uh, you know, happens. All right, then. Tell me this. Connor Daly joins us. What is the percentage of execution and talent on Sunday compared to the percentage of good fortune that is necessary to win, in your estimation? Oh, man. Honestly, it's the perfect combination of both. I think if you look um, at, at, at several different winners, there's several different things where you could say, well, that was uh, awfully – on the side of good fortune, but when you, in the end of the day, you also say, well, they, they also had a fast car. You know, Marcus Erickson last year had a fast car all day long. I think all the Ganassi cars had fast day, fast cars all day long. Um, and, you know, Scott Dixon was on his way to winning that race, but but there was a mistake made, you know what I mean? And you got to be perfect. 
Um, and Marcus had a really, really good last pit stop. He uh, he got to the front when he needed to and, and made it happen. And, you know, you look at uh, Alex Rossi's win, he had a fast car all day as well. Um, but uh, happened to call the fuel strategy, right? I mean, there's a lot of different ways that, that you can win this race. But realistically, I wouldn't say there's many winners where you're like, yeah, they weren't, like, good at any point. So, um, it's, it's, it's what this race is all about. Just being the best you can be all day long. Uh, things have to go right. Yes. But you as a driver, the team in the pits, everyone has to execute at the highest possible level. And as long as you give yourself a chance with 20 to go after all the pit stops are done and you're in the top three, then it's, uh, you know, a lot of it's in my hands, but, uh, you know, you never know what else could happen as well. It's uh, Connor Daly of ECR, the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I want to jump back to something you mentioned uh, about thinking about what took place during the race, after the race. Are you somebody that do you beat yourself up a little bit? Do you go back and, and, and think about and then kind of relive and go over uh, a number of times what took place and maybe what you could have done here better, maybe what happened here that shouldn't have and it did? Do you beat yourself up a little bit? I think when you personally know that you, you could have done something better, yeah, absolutely. I think there are several things that, um, you know, I've looked back on and I'm like, man, you know, that uh, like getting hit by Graham's tire, you know, I, I really couldn't have done anything about that. Yeah. And, and you look back and I was like, I really thought we had a car to win that day. But, you know, there are drivers all across the field. You know, I'm sure you asked Tony Kanaan, he's done this 500 so many times. He could have won several different times, um, you know, until he finally did. Uh, so there, there, there's so many things that can happen to you. Um, but realistically, if there's something that you personally can do better, the goal is to show up here or the next year, whenever you get to do it and, uh, and, and eliminate those mistakes. And I feel like that's why I keep getting better here every year is I, I keep trying to eliminate, uh, you know, small things, gain, use the experience that I've gained. And, uh, and I, I, I think it shows and I, and I, I, I want to, you know, I want to win this race more than anything. And, and I know this team does too. How different are you as a driver because of that experience you're talking about here, Connor? Oh, I think I'm definitely um, different, just just more patient, more mature about things. Um, but, uh, you know, also, you know, have to be aggressive when we can, uh, when we can be. And, and I think that that helps. I, I, I love doing this race every year because you learn so much in 500 miles. It's such a long race. It's such a long day. Uh, and, you know, even things in the pit sequences and how the track changes, you know, the, the pit out lane was different, a little bit different last year, a little bit less grip. So you had to drive it a little bit differently. And that kind of affects how we immediately go into this year. Cause it's very similar to last year. So there, there's small things that you just always have to find uh, and always, always improve on, um, you know, to give yourself the best chance. Yeah, I was talking to, I think it was Kyle Kirkwood a little bit earlier today. And uh, he, he spends a lot of time in the race simulator. How much time do you spend in that? And, and how much help comes away from being in that race simulator? Honestly, for Indy, it's kind of useless. It's um, it, Indy is so hard to simulate the absolute raw limit of grip and, and capability of the car. Uh, we do a lot of laps to try to get a general idea of a few different things at, at, at Chevrolet Simulator. Um, but, like, you can never simulate that feeling that we all get in qualifying over the weekend where you are hanging on for dear life, avoiding the, the, the slight scrape of a wall, 
um, the every moment of of, of oversteer in the car, every, everything like that. It's just it's it's so hard to simulate that. So for me, you know, it's it's more about the on track experiences. But we do plenty of virtual laps, um, you know, to. To at least make ourselves feel good about it. <laughs> so, Connor Daly with us from Ed Carpenter Racing. How would you feel after this past weekend? When you look back and reflect, what were your thoughts initially about what took place, where you start, and the weekend overall this past, Connor? Honestly, man, I feel really good. I, I, I think, um, you know, looking back on it last year, uh, I definitely do the. I, did, I definitely didn't do the best job in qualifying. I've struggled there, but I also kind of went off on my own island when it came to uh, setup uh, last year for qualifying. And um, you know, going away from what Renus and Ed like is not a good idea. So I really wanted to stay in their lane uh, this year because I knew they were always fast. And when it comes down to it, sometimes you just don't have the pure raw speed, depending on conditions, depending on the car that you're in, depending on certain things. So um, I would say my engineer and I, uh, you know, did a good job trying to get the best out of it, you know, whatever we could, uh, you know, probably uh, if, if we'd have gone out, you know, maybe a hair earlier, I think we, you know, we fight to stay in the top 12 a little bit better with our first run. Um, but uh, I mean, when it comes to the last few practice sessions on, on the Thursday, on, uh, on, on Monday, um, you know, any t- any time we've been in race conditions, um, we've been very very confident. So I I, I don't have a- an issue at all with what went on. You know, we improved a little bit on our qualifying performance over last year, uh, which is fine. And the field got tighter and tighter as usual. So, you know, point two of a mile an hour or even less, you know, separates me from Ed. And I know Ed's a really good qualifier here. So, um, you know, the goal is the race. You know, uh, there are Dan Weldon, Dario Franchitti, I believe, have both won from 16th. Um, and those are two uh, two pretty heroic fellas. So, um, you know, I don't I don't feel bad at all about uh, about how we're looking going into Sunday. Hey, Connor, did you say you went away from, from Ed and Renus a year ago? You went away from what they were doing? Did you say that? Yeah, a little bit mechanically because, um, you know, it, it, it's tough. They they, lo- they love to drive a car on edge, and, and I, I like to trust the rear of the car a little bit more. Um, but this year we've been able to uh, eliminate that, um, you know, that feeling for me. The team did a great job giving me kind of something that I could drive confidently for four laps, um, which was nice. So Connor Daly is with us. How do you like being a part of ECR? I mean, honestly, man, when you show up to the Indy 500, you know you have a fast car. Uh, we, we, I think we've proven that year over year. Um, and, and it's, you know, it's great to be a part of this team here at this, at this racetrack. Um, I think overall, I think we, we, everyone would, would accept the fact that, you know, we want to be better at some of the other tracks on our schedule. Um, and, and I do hope that, uh, you know, we can, we can do that as a team, but, uh, we know the, the strategy side here, we know how these, this race works. This team has a lot of great experience here and all the crew guys, everyone involved in our, in our group. Um, definitely know, uh, you know, this place like the back of their hands. So, uh, you know, we, we, we love coming here. We love competing here and we love trying to put, uh, you know, three, three cars as close to victory lane, if not in victory lane as possible. So I hear Tony Donahue's keeping you pretty busy. Do I hear that accurately? Well, he's been involved in a, in a, in a, in a Michelob Ultra deal that I've got going uh, locally here in Indy. Um, I'm fairly sure Michelob Ultra, as a company, doesn't know that it's going on. But locally, we're really <laughs> doing doing a pretty good job of uh, of promoting it and uh, and getting people to enjoy the month. I love it, Connor, man. That's great, dude. <laughs> no, I hear you're having a good time out there. You're going to be at uh, Total Wine, I believe, later on today, correct? Yes, yeah, six to seven o'clock, and then tomorrow, uh, I believe it's a 
Kroger in Brownsburg, and then that's it for the month. So I've done a total of six appearances for for Michelob Ultra this this uh, this month of May, and they even put billboards up of me during the well, during the month of May, I which is something it. that's uh, a new thing for me. You like being up on a billboard? It was weird. I'm not gonna lie, uh, but it, it was uh, pretty cool. I, I I will admit it felt felt nice, um, and I, I felt cool to be. You know, I, I think a Michelob Ultra car at the Indianapolis 500 yes. would look really cool at some point. Obviously, we have a great partner in Bitnow.com right now, but uh, it'd be. I always, I always liked the 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 beer sponsored cars uh, back in the day. They always looked pretty cool. So maybe someday. Man, Connor, we were just talking about that the other day too. I mean, when you're thinking about it with, uh, you know, Bud and, and Miller and, you know, whether you're talking about Danny Sullivan's, you know, Miller car or oh, Miller man. Genuine Draft, those were all such good-looking cars and such great memories right there, too. I, I think you're the, the type of personality to sell that to Mick Ultra, to be honest. That's you. Well, you know what? We're going to work on it. We're going to put this bitnow.com Chevrolet in victory lane on Sunday and, uh, and, and bring everyone on board that we can and, uh, and, and, and all continue to ride that successful wave into the future. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt about that. Everything else going all right for you, too? Enjoying life like you normally do? Life is great. This is uh, the best time of year. I can't complain at all. Um, I am absolutely dying to go racing on Sunday. Um, but also, I love Carb Day. I mean, Carb Day is a great time to get out and practice, uh, make our last adjustments. We were going to run through a couple things. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm, I'm super happy. Life is great. Family and friends are here. Um, my girlfriend is here for her second Indy 500. So uh, it's, it's an awesome experience overall. Um, I mean, yeah, this is uh, this is better than every holiday and birthday wrapped into uh, one. You're from here, so you've known all about this. Um, others not from here didn't. But I know the racing is one thing. You know, the carb day, as you mentioned, is, is something great. But compare the time you have getting ready to start and all the, the majestic pageantry that is going up, all going on in this case, leading to the start of the race. How incredible is that to be a part of? I mean, it's awesome. There's not a year that goes by where I'm not uh, in tears uh, after the national anthem um, on the front straight uh, on the grid of the Indianapolis 500. It's, it's, uh, it's an emotional experience for me. Uh, you know, looking back at the videos too of when, whenever I've taken the lead here at the speedway, hearing how the crowd reacts, you know, seeing the support that I've got from this incredible state and city, and you know, the surrounding areas of Indiana. Uh, you know, I love representing for our for our city and our state, and 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 everywhere else, you know, around this area. I, I, I love I love being from Indiana. I love uh, you know growing up here, um, and and it's another reason that I you know I want to win this race so bad is because I think. Uh, you know, we'd shut downtown Indianapolis down for several hours in a row, if not days. Yeah. How different is it being here compared to those out there that are racing against you that aren't? Obviously, Ed gets it. Your your team owner gets it. But how, how different is it being from here, you know, and, and getting that reaction from the crowd and, and knowing and thinking about, yeah, what if – we won the 107th running. What would happen? That's going to dance around in your mind often. I think about it every day, every day before I go to sleep, every day when I wake up. Uh, it's what I live for. Um, you know that that you you can envision it in your mind, uh, you know, endlessly. But uh, you know, when it comes to Sunday, you just got to you know, it, it, it. A lot of athletes say, "Well, it's about the process, all that stuff." Um, 
I mean, it, it legitimately is. Like, if you do the best job that you can do, you can be proud of it. And I think last year um, and, and even 2021, um, you know, I felt really proud of the effort that we put forward and, and, and getting closer to, you know, to, to, to being in victory lane, seeing, you know, not not as many cars in front of me when the, when the checker flag flies. You know, I want to be the one that has no cars in front of them uh, when the checker flag flies. So um, I think about it all the time. and I love explaining to other drivers, even rookies at this race, I, I explain it like a kid on Christmas morning. It sounds like I, it's just the greatest feeling ever being at this event and being part of it. And I, I, I just hope that it gets, you know, you always hope everyone turns on the TVs on Sunday. Cause I think this series deserves a lot more recognition um, than it gets. And hopefully, you know, when it comes Sunday, we, we do get that recognition. You know, it's, it, this feeling has to be great as you're explaining. And I mean, very eloquently explaining the, the feeling that you have. Do, do you wish that it, you had this feeling more than just once, or does it make the feeling that much greater because it's just this annual event, this, this annual moment in which you, you have, you know, this deeply rooted feeling that being from here is probably just different than everybody else. I mean, honestly, you can't have two of them. So I think, you know, having the one Indy 500 is the best. But but the best part about it is that it's not just a weekend. It's not just a Sunday. I mean, it, it's, it started what feels like end of April when we tested here. Uh, you know, anytime you get to start driving around here, um, that intense passion is, is, you know, is, is lit up inside of you. Um, and, you know, the, the, the everywhere, like, I live in this city. I go to dinner out here all the time. I do things in this city. And just in this month, it feels like every single person knows who you are, yeah. even though I've probably seen all these people a hundred times a year. But I, <laughs> I, I, this, this month, you feel like a hero. So it, it, it's really cool to, uh, you know, to experience that. And I don't think anything else could, could ever match it um, when it comes to the feeling and the, and the excitement around it. Nah, yeah, you're right. I mean, you're absolutely right in the way that you described it. I don't think we can find anybody better, you know, outside of of the team owner, Ed, who's going to be on with us tomorrow to explain what it truly means and what it means to you both. Because, again, being around here, Connor, it's just just different. I mean, it is. And, And you're right. You want to see, like, this branch out and become even larger outside of Indy. But there is still something incredibly special about how much it means to everybody around here, too. And then, as you mentioned, this time of year being yeah, being more so noticed by everybody walking on the street, knowing what you're about ready to embark upon, going to make it that much more special for you. It really does. Yeah, and, and you know what's awesome is the fact that, like, this event, like, there's not many tickets left for sale. You know what I mean? Like, people are coming. It's not like it's it's going up in, in excitement, and, and the attendance is so strong. I mean, even over the weekend, I think every day that we've been out at the track so far this month, it feels like the attendance is absolutely fantastic and, and pushing, you know, pushing the limits, getting closer to, you know, the, the sellout of the 100th running, um, you know, not too long ago. So I, I actually wouldn't be surprised if there are no tickets left, uh, you know, come, come, uh, come Sunday, you know, grandstand seats. I mean, I, I have the president in my house. Uh, he's a member <laughs> of the family. So I, I get, I get updated statistics, but I, you know, if you don't have tickets, you better get them. And if you want grandstand seats, you better get them because um, I, I know that sales are going well. And, and I love to see that passion for this event and people wanting to come to this event. But, you know, we also want it to get the attention nationwide that it deserves. You know, we want people to watch in every state and every every country all across the world, you know, if they can. So, um, you know, hopefully we get that done. 
You know, it's it's funny too. I gauge it on how many people ask me for tickets, and yeah. I go I go back to the one hundredth running. I can't remember a time when when people continuously ask me for tickets. You know, it's like one the one hundredth they did, but this is in the same ballpark. Exactly, and and I've I mean I've got people literally begging for parking passes, any type of tickets. You know, it's it's something that I would have said last year I was able to help people out with, but this year it's impossible. But that's great, and, and I'm I'm excited to have um, you know that feeling on Sunday when you drive around. I mean, every year it looks like it's sold out, but you know it's it's something that when you see. I think what we're going to see on Sunday, it's going to feel, um, you know, extra special. And we, and we appreciate that. We as drivers, we really do appreciate um, the love and support that we get here at this event because, um, you know, we're, we're putting our lives on the line every day to try to put on the best show possible and to bring home, uh, you know, a win on Sunday. I got people wanting to fight me for my service parking sticker. Because- oh, yeah, you could, man, that's. That's a that's gonna be a battle. Evidently, that's a big deal. I didn't know how big of a deal that was until somebody said, Shh, "Hold on a minute." I think people are gonna be really mad that you have it. And I said, "Why are they gonna be really mad?" Well, because they want it. That's a big deal. Evidently. Oh yeah. So get wherever I want. All right, you're at uh, Total Wine. What time? Or are you and uh, Tony Donahue up there doing some stuff tonight? Six o'clock to seven o'clock up on the northeast side. All right, don't let uh, Tony run you astray or anything tonight. You got to remain focused here. All right. Remain focused. I will. I promise. And uh, one of these days, I got to hear about what your suit closet looks like compared to the Speedway president's suit closet. Are they similar suits? Absolutely not. I think he's got an entire closet for suits, whereas you might find one suit in my closet. (laughs) Well done, man. Hey, go out and get it coming up on Sunday. And uh, can't wait to talk to you again, Connor. Have a great run. Thank you so much. You got a Connor Daly right there on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Yeah, the the service parking sticker, man. Hello, everybody. Big deal. And I, I honestly, I get that because I come off of the JMV takeover at whatever time it's going to be, right? You know, I hope to go as late as possible. Last year, I'd mentioned this before. It was a 145. So at 145, I'll go downstairs, um, I'll shower, and then roll out of here, get out there at about 3 in the morning or so. But it gets you right in, yeah, even at 3 in the morning. Take a nap. A year ago, we started at 4 a.m. Check that, 5 a.m. Uh, this year, we start at 6. And again, that's with 93.5107.5 and 93 WIBC coming up on Sunday. Me and Tony Katz and we begin at 6 a.m. in what should be an absolutely epic broadcast and we have so many people that will be a part of it. Can't wait. Coming up on Sunday. I had no idea the value of the uh, service sticker. Shout out to Andrea and the gang that got that done for me. Appreciate it. All right, quick break, and we shall return. Graham is in here again. Not Ray Hall. Graham's in here. James in here. Track dude Michael Young, bottom of the hour, Kevin Bowen. And Tony Donahue, head up to uh, Total Wine with Connor Daly coming up. Hamilton Town, what is it, Shops? Town Center? Hamilton Town Center. 
Head up there and check out Connor Daly and Tony Donahue coming up later on this evening. Tony's going to join us from Burnout Sports at 5.30 as well. Jodeci tickets to give away for a block party in the month of August at TCU Amphitheater. And the passing of an absolute legend today. And where there is a relation, a connection to the headliner for Carb Day coming up on Friday out at IMS. We'll get to that and a lot more coming up next. The Ride with JMV. You are more reptile than man, George. So low and flat that the foot of man is incapable of crushing you. How dare you? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. The great Tina Turner has passed away at the age of 83. Legendary. And with that, the duet with Brian Adams, who was the headliner at Carb Day coming up on Friday. Your tickets available, IMS.com. And I would expect, because Brian Adams had already sent out a tweet regarding the passing of Tina Turner, within really about the last hour and a half to two hours, the news broke that there would be something extra special with that Carb Day performance in mind regarding Tina Turner coming up on Friday. Again, your ticket's available. That is Brian Adams and Soul Asylum Carb Day 2023 coming up on Friday, IMS.com. Eddie Sports Pub, that's coming up tomorrow. Tavern Tour stop the month of May. Shout out to manager and owner Pat. That is Pat or Patrick. Tell Pat that we're on the way and ready to go. Raring and ready to go. Make sure that you tell them that. Uh, We are coming to Noblesville Tavern Tour Stop and cannot wait. Now, I do have this for you. Now, this is from Pat. And again, tell Pat if you stop by there tonight that we're coming. Again, and he knows. But hand-breaded pork tenderloin sandwich this time of year. Spectacular. Hand-breaded chicken tenders. Heaven Hill product specials. Oh, well, you know this, too. If Brent Halverson's there, there will be uh, free sampling going on, and our samples are pretty large. Uh, Taco Tuesdays with $5 Luna Azul margaritas that they have up there, too. But here's the one that strikes me. When is the last time, y'all? Had a good, solid, homemade, sloppy Joe. Anybody? Come on now. Loose meat is a treat. When's the last time anybody had a fantastic sloppy Joe? I'm assuming our next guest has. He's the pride of Ohio. Once upon a time, he was the music director at Fox 103.3. Right before they threw out the warrant, threw out the winger, threw out the bullet boys, and went into the grunge era that became X-103. He has long time also been affiliated with the IMS Radio Network. You can hear him on the PA. You're going to hear him on the call coming up on Sunday for the 107th running of the greatest spectacle in racing. And he has been for a long time a close personal friend of mine and somebody I've admired forever. The track dude, Michael Young, joins us today. Hello, track dude. What is up, you homo humping slowbo baby? <laughs> that would be whale. I believe whale. That is correct, sir. That I believe. Is, ding, ding, ding. That is the correct answer. Uh, to your sloppy Joe comments, yes. the A&W in Delphus, Ohio, my hometown, the only A&W I know that made sloppy Joes 
of all the A&Ws, the best sloppy Joe I've ever had in my life. See, when is the last time? When's the last time you had a sloppy Joe? It's got to be a while, right? A year. I, my I, my grandma had a great sloppy Joe recipe, which I'll break out every now and again. But the A and W sloppy Joes in Delphus, Ohio, to die for. Don't I mean we really shortchange loose meat sandwiches like crazy? We should embrace them more than we do. Agreed. It, it is one of the, the the true delicacies in life, and and a thing that in a day and age where we're all about you know, smash burgers and things of that nature, we yeah. need to get back to the to the, the old fashioned loose meat sloppy joe sandwich nothing better completely agree the track dude's been out there all month and obviously indycar and the ims radio network Uh, simon pagino came on last hour and was incredibly confident to the tune to tell me he was going to win and he feels that way much like he did and he said and described back in 2019 when he felt the same way um what have you seen from him that would would give him that inclination that that is a possibility coming from where he is going to be. I haven't seen that Meyer Shank team as racy as maybe. So Simon obviously knows his car better than what I've seen. I think they have been okay. I mean, with the fastest field in 500 history, with the fastest front row we've ever had, it, it's. It, I, I would imagine the winner will come from the first three rows. You, you, you've got Polo, who you just carbon copy of Dixon's car last year. Had Dixon not made that mistake, he went to second. First Spaniard ever on the front row, he'll be fast. BK will be fast. And then Felix Rosenquist with Aaron McLaren on the outside of row number uh, number one. Row two, a fast row. But you, you look at row number three with the most wins combined ever. So you've got Alexander Rossi, Takuma Sato in the center, and TK on the outside. TK's got a heck of a shot. Those first three rows are pretty stout, and it's going to be interesting to see what carb day practice looks like because it was a mess on Monday, as I think everybody is well aware of. As now we've seen, you know, poor Steph Wilson, you know, with a fractured vertebrae out of the race, gives Graham an opportunity to get back in. But it was just an odd practice session that I heard several drivers commenting. It was just guys were running like extremely slow. Like, what, what's going on here? And I think it caught several drivers. Uh, off guard and the practice I think should be more representative of what we'll see on race day come carb day but we'll see I I think I'll have a better gauge on Simon's car then I think the workhorse of this month just being on the the PA and and on radios but Alexander Rossi's turned a lot of laps and he's got an extremely fast car and I think he's got a heck of a shot to win this thing it's just in race trim, I think he is is spectacular. But then you go the Honda out and Alex Polo, man, oh man, is he he going to be fast? And you think about what could have, would have, should have been back in 2021 was he when he was hunting Elio Castroneves down. Polo's going to be real good on race day. How good is this race as far as what you believe it's going to be compared to what we have seen in the past? I will, I will say this: I this is such a long month. Because just uh, you just do so much, and a lot of times when race day gets here, it's just a relief that it's finally race day, and we're going to have the 500, which just is unimaginable. Even having an opportunity to work for the radio network, and then it's over, and you're like, "Well, crap! Now it's over, and we got to start all over." I'm always excited about race day, but this race day, for whatever reason, I just think it's going to be magical. It just 
I started thinking about this on, on Monday after the practice session and, and everything that happened. I just, Graham getting announced, I'm like, man, this is just going to be a fantastic race. I, I don't see how it can cannot be a fantastic race. With this fast field, it's going to be a lot of fun come Sunday. So the track dude, Michael Young, you can hear him out there on the PA. What do you start, like 6 a.m. on the PA? Something like 6 that? 6 a.m., yeah, 6 a.m., and I'll go with Greg Rakestraw until yeah. 11 a.m., and then we'll bring Alan Bestwick and Dave Calabro in and go right from PA over to pre-race meetings and then head out to turn two to call the race. You a big Adam Driver guy? You know, not I stopped caring about movies and 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 those types of things. Yeah, it's like 2010 was kind of where I stopped. So now I feel like the old guy. I mean, I'm well aware of who Adam Driver is. It's just you know, it's, it's very cool that he's here and um, uh, Halliburton driving the pace car, Jules yeah. singing the anthem. It's going to be fun. I mean, it's it's got the markings of being. Just a killer. Not that the 500 isn't a killer day and event, but this year I think it's going to be something extra special. Yeah, you like all the other stuff, too. And by the way, you're not going to be ever as old as me because I've not been in the movie theater since September 21st, 1999. So, wow, never going to be as old as me. What what movie was that again? It was a Star Wars Episode One at the Shiloh Theater in Avon. Yeah, on yeah, a Sunday uh, afternoon, and it was so terrible. Not yeah. necessarily experience, but just the movie was so terrible. I thought, no. you know what, I'm done. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, that that would have turned me on going to any more movies as well. I think I saw the last. The last thing I saw in the theater was the last Indiana Jones, the Crystal Skull one, and I was like, ooh, <laughs> yeah. That, and then they made another yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I just can't, I can't put myself to, to watch them anymore. Although the theater experience is great, it's like, yeah, it's hard to, hard to get back and do that thing again. I would not uh, even know. How long have you been with the IMS Radio Network? Well, that's funny. I, I've been doing this so long, I couldn't remember. So I had to go back and actually think about it. In 2010, I was on the public address. I called the race with Dave Calabro. Um, that was the year of Kanan's big, you know, starting at the back and going to the front and with a huge wreck at the end and Dario's second win. And then I started that next year when J.R. Hildebrand, we thought all, all of us thought had the race won and, and hit the wall. So my first year with the network full time was in 2011. So this will be my 13th year. Yeah. And it never gets old for you. You can tell in your voice and your enthusiasm that none of this ever gets old for you. Well, I'll apologize to the fans early. I, I try to tone the enthusiasm down, but, man, you get out there and call on these things. It's just – it's so exciting, and it's just such an honor to work, not only with our anchor, Mark James, but Nick Yeoman, Jake Query, Chris Denary, Davey Hamilton, and all the guys we have in the pits. It's it's a world-class broadcast team, and just to think that – just a to be a part of that, like a kid from Delphos, Ohio, how, how the heck this ever happened is, is far beyond my wildest dreams. I'll tell you that. Do you ever, talk, do you ever talk to any of the old schoolers from X-103? I'm trying to think who the last person I talked to. Slam and Sam and I talk a little bit on Facebook. And um, it, it's it, once we, once everybody parted ways, it was just kind of just that it kind of ended and, you know, we, we everybody kind of moved on. It's 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 weird how it was such an important part of this city and, and music scene for such such a long time. Actually, when you think about it, just a short amount of time. But 
Not as much as I, I wish. And it's just, it's funny. I think one day we'll all sit down and do yeah. a reunion and, and think back about it. But, uh, yeah, that was a pretty magical time in this, this market, especially as, as hard rocking as we were. And then going to the alternative stuff, it was just, just crazy fun. Well, when you, fl- I, you, know when, when you flip that switch, did today. people around I, here go crazy? When you went from, you know, the hairband type of rocking stuff uh, to alternative and when what people described as grunge then, did people go crazy around here? Um, it wasn't, it was ill received at first, but when we first started the station and the, the alternative stuff we were playing, we still played some of the heavier stuff as well. Um, so we, we, we kept it. It was an easy transition. It, it wasn't, it wasn't so abrupt as some of the other format changes have been in this market. It was, it was still hard and we still kept some of the, the, the solid rock X one oh three stuff when we went to Indies New Rock Alternative. But it it we lost a lot of listeners but we gained even more with the transition. I'm thinking so it, was a, it was a plus. Who'd you uh let's see, was it Andy Chanley in the morning? That's Andy who it was. Chanley, I, I talked to Andy about a year ago. He's working out in California in LA doing mornings out there or middays. And uh, um, Madison so Madison was Madison, the midday. Yeah, Madison's in midday. She's in Arizona now. And, and who did? I know Dangerous Dick did the nights, right? I, Danger, Dangerous Dick, I, who knows? He could be on Mars or Venus <laughs> as an interstellar traveler. Did he, get, did he get fired for playing nude Twister in the studio? Yeah, I think, yeah. I, think, I don't remember the exact Dangerous Dick moment, but yes, <laughs> there were things that got a little out of hand after hours that uh, in this Current day and age, whoo, it would not have been good legally for for the property. Oh, yeah. oh, I didn't know it went yeah. that in depth. Ah, Whoa, well, I mean, any 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 little thing anymore can be prosecutable. So yeah, yeah. you guys uh, used to do Loveline back then too, right? Oh yeah, that yeah, and uh, Doctor Laura came in for so many of those excess. Yeah, we did all that. <laughs> yeah, God Almighty, you bring it back. Yeah, those are a lot of a lot of good memories, a lot of crazy memories. I can't believe uh, just some of the excess. You know, it's funny. I was talking to um, a friend of mine about Limp Biscuit and the whole Fred Durst nightmare at X Fest on the second stage one year, and how what a nightmare. And I, I watched the Lollapalooza movie, and everybody said what yeah. a nightmare that guy was. And it's just, yeah, it's. Uh, I went to lunch with Tony Donnie and I went to lunch at uh, Weber Grill with Fred Durst about six years ago. And and how did that go? Is my question. He was all right. I mean, it, he I mean, he just dropped a bunch of f bombs there, but he was he was cool. He left a he left a message on the answer. There was an answering machine back then, right? That you guys played often. Yep. Yep. Yeah. He. Uh, well, you know, it's funny. Yes, he left several messages. But, <laughs> um, uh, I, I. He was a guy that I loved to hate, but you couldn't not play their music. Right. And. I remember when he went solo and he personally called the radio station after all the stuff that he had done, asking if we'd please help him out and play his song. And never have I reveled in telling a guy, no way would this ever happen in my life, is telling that to Fred Durst. I was like, Durst. dude, could have been, been a great partnership, but you ruined it. So Was, yeah. the, uh, was the story true on X-Fest on the second stage about Goldfinger with the uh, oh, finger yeah, in the rear? Four, yeah, if I was four feet away from that happening because I was stage managing that. What had happened was they played the last song, they broke into the next song, and the sound guy in the middle of the, the field 
was told you had a half hour and that was it. So last song's over. They start playing another song and he pulls all the sound down. So standing on the stage, I look at the manager, say, they got to go. I got to go. And see, they get about a minute into the song. He realizes none of this is going, they're still hearing their monitors, but none of it's going out to the house. So he literally turns to the crowd, pulls his pants down gets his gold finger going on and runs over to the sound guy at the side of the stage who he thinks is the one that has caused this and cleans his finger out on the guy's shirt. <laughs> and that guy had nothing to do with any of it. And he's thinking, Oh my yeah, it, Yeah. It, it was, it was a not, that was a bad day. That was a bad moment. in excess. Ooh, You're in the bedroom. Guy. Oh yeah, my goodness. That did happen. Goldfinger. Yeah. yeah. Goldfinger. That it just, uh, the name fit the band. Well, it, it could have been a different color, but you get yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, slide, yeah. slide by on carb day. If you get the opportunity and, um, well. we'll see you on race day too. If you get time as well, track dude, it's always great to catch up with you. Yeah, indeed. Right back at you. Sounded great. And uh, look forward to this weekend and uh, saying hello. And it's going to be a great weekend. Really is. You got it. Track dude, Michael Young on the Eddie Moore Automotive Group hotline. Thanks, buddy. It's a track dude. (laughs) I knew that Goldfinger thing was accurate. I just wanted to hear it from the track dude, somebody that was there. Quick break. We'll return. Kevin Bowen, top of the hour. Donahue is going to be here. Burnout Sports, 5 o'clock, hour 2. 93.5107 by the fan. The Ride with JMV. All right. Let's take it from the top. The top of what? Name. My name? No, my name. I do not know your name. You play games with me, mister, and you're through. I am? May I go now? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Oh, thank you, track dude Michael Young, for the second stage X-Fest Goldfinger story right there. I've always wanted to know that was for real, and it is. Thank you very much. Track dude, of course, a part of the IMS Radio Network. He's a part of the PA. You're going to hear him in one form or the other coming up on both Friday and then again on Sunday. Track dude, track dude is an awesome guy. Awesome. I could talk with him all day. The other one of the things that I really do love, not just where we are right now in radio here locally, but I love where we have been. And it's stories like that. It's moments like that. It's not just, you know, years. Transitions from formats that were made, those names that I brought up. There's a reason why they stick. And I know that I have a great memory for stuff like that. But the other reason is that I enjoyed listening to it. Great. Got great memories back then. Uh, But the track dude always brings it. No doubt about it. Derek White says, I have an extra ticket to the race. I'll trade for a parking pass. Yeah, I've got the service pass. That's going to stay right here. Um, JMV, we want someone from Indy to win in Indy. Don't jinx the man. That's regarding Connor Daly a little bit earlier. The podcast with Connor Daly, 107.5thefan.com. Simon Pagano, the 2019 winner, called his shot. Called his shot about winning. And he did that as he gave us that story back in 2019. 
Simon Pagano, 1075thefan.com, the track dude, Michael Young. Um, coming up, we'll talk some Colts and more. Kevin Bowen's going to join us. And it's weird. There's this, that tire is kind of right in my line, and it looks like Kevin Bacon. <laughs> I almost said, hey, coming up at the top of the hour, Kevin Bacon joins us. Would we rather have Kevin Bacon or Kevin Bowen? What would you guys rather have right here? Let's take a quick poll at JMV 1070. Because as I mentioned, I look at the dry erase board and there's something in my line of sight and it makes it look like Kevin Bacon. Would you guys rather have Kevin Bacon on the show at five or Kevin Bowen on the show at five? And if you'd rather have Kevin Bacon, we'll reach out to Kevin Bacon. Tony Donahue, the fan place, talks Indy 500 and more at the bottom of the hour. Friend of the show, Tony Donahue. Jodeci tickets also on the way. 93.51075, the fan. The Ride with JMV. I love JMV. He looks like Rascal Flats guy. Got a cool soul patch. He does, and a buttery smooth voice. Oh, yeah. 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. The legendary Tina Turner passed away today at the age of 83. Legendary indeed. Not too many whatsoever like the career and the impact of the career at the highest level is Tina Turner. Tina Turner, 83 years of age. Very sad. You know, I mentioned a little bit earlier, too, Brian Adams had a duet in 1985 called It's Only Love. It was on his Reckless album. And a duet with Tina Turner, and it is normally a part of his set list anyway. I'm assuming it was going to be a part, but yeah, expect something. Because I don't know, I'd have to check, maybe James, you can look at this. I don't know if Brian Adams has anything going between now and Friday. I would doubt he does. I don't think he does. So Friday's going to be, I would guess, extra special. Certainly a moment or a song or two uh, with regards to the respect of one of the greatest to ever do it. Tina Turner, who passed away today at the age of 83. Carmelo Anthony's son, Kyan Anthony. Of course, Carmelo Anthony retired yesterday. was coached at one stop in the NBA by Mike Woodson as a member of the Knicks. Kyan Anthony, his son, has an Indiana scholarship offer, according to Jeff Rabjohns of Peaks.com. Greg Kiley says the YouTube feed is, quote, all jacked up. We got a jacked up YouTube feed. We can't have that. I have not checked the MEC YouTube feed according to give me anybody else on the YouTube feed right now inside the lounge via YouTube live. Are we jacked up? And is uh, Kevin Bacon or Kevin Bowen ready? Either one. They're going to tell you when we're ready. Is he ready now? All right, cool. Is the YouTube feed jacked up, James? That's what Greg is telling us here. I'm looking right now. Maybe it is kind of jacked up there. Looks like it. We'll get back to it in a second on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline for the morning show. Kevin and Query, weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. It is Kevin Bowen with us. Kev, did you get the kids in the car? Got the kids out of the car. Yep, yep, home from daycare. Passed them off to mom, so we are good to go here. So what's um, protocol with that? Do you handle them now, 
or do you handle them more toward bedtime? What happens? Yeah, I mean, typically, you know, obviously, Eddie deals with them every morning with you know me doing the show, and then pretty much I handle every afternoon, and then we try and tag team as best as possible as long as both of us are home between now and bedtime, and then usually split up. One of us gets the easier one. That would be Max, the nine-month-old, and then the other one gets uh, draws the short end of the stick and has to read a couple of books, play a flashlight game, potentially tell Rosie a story before bed. Oh, man. Do you read books to them? I do, yeah. Oh. Yeah, we, we, we got two books, usually two a night. So, Two books I mean, a night? That's a lot right there. Well, Matt Max is probably going to say, hey, dude, chill out a little bit on the book stuff here. Come on. <laughs> yeah, Max, I mean, honestly, Max would just be like, yeah, can we just you know, watch YouTube highlights or something at some point? Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, let, let's be – I mean, we're not reading more than, you know, 14-page books here, 12-page books here. So, yeah. So, Kevin Bone with us, do you believe that this is going as far as NFL coverage is concerned where I do, that sooner rather than later we're going to be looking at an all-encompassing pay-per-view scenario? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I felt like out of all the professional sports leagues, the NFL would, and I still think they will hold on to linear, you know, basic CBS, NBC, Fox, et cetera, uh, as long as possible, just because it gets the most eyes. And I think the NFL is obsessed with the end of the year rankings of, of the hundred most watched, you know, live events of the year, you know, whatever, 78 of them were NFL games. So I do think they will hold on, but clearly uh, a message has been sent. I think two big messages here this off season, one, the playoff game exclusive on Peacock. Um, so that Saturday night, uh, wild card game, which would have been Chargers Jags this year, that will be exclusive on Peacock. And then I, I don't think people realize, arguably, I would say at least one of the best regular season game, regular season games of the year. I think it's a Christmas weekend, might be the 23rd. Bills Chargers is also on Peacock. So you know, I think when you get around to that and you realize, boy, you know, I can't watch Josh Allen and Justin Herbert. You know, obviously, some people might go down that route. It, and I kind of remember this stemming from, you know, when Notre Dame had their first game, I think it was Toledo a few years ago on Peacock, and they were losing late in that game. And it was kind of like the Michigan-Appalachian State game from the first ever Big Ten Network game. People were scrambling to either, you know, buy Big Ten Network or, you know, buy, you know. Or trying to cheat it. I remember people, like yeah, the whole thing in social media then, Kev, were people trying to get it for free at that moment just to watch the tail end of it, right? Yeah. Yeah, which obviously now it's become, I think, a yearly occurrence. Yeah, there's at least one Notre Dame game on Peacock. Um, and then the other big one, obviously, is what you know they are doing with Amazon and, and you know having some flexibility late in the season. I, I think the headline's a little juicier than you know maybe the action. Like, I don't think we're going to have more than maybe one Thursday night game flexed all year, if that, just because it's a 28-day period. A whole lot can change in 28 days. They gave Amazon a pretty good Thursday night schedule to begin with, obviously. You know, if you fall into a Colts Broncos situation, you would want to get out of that. But to your overall point, you know, I, I, I do think, you know, we will start to continue to kind of eat away at the typical, you know, CBS, NBC, uh, even ESPN type packages and start to have little bits and pieces of that uh, on streaming services. And obviously right now, Thursday Night Football, all of it is on streaming unless, you know, your, your local team's playing and then usually, you know, one of the local channels picks it up. It's Kevin Bowen with us. Sports guy to sports guy right here. Do we like where all this is going? 
Do we look at it only as it's beneficial to us? Do we look at it in a broader scope to, all right, so when they continue to change, and I'm talking about the rules aspects, we'll get into that in just a second, that the changes they made at the NFL spring owners meetings in Minneapolis a couple of days ago, that chase anybody off? I mean, are we seeing people chased off right now with NIL and transfer portal, transfer portal NIL on both college and basketball and and football we we see uh, people being run off with a pitch clock we see people being run off just for a variety of reasons uh with basketball itself do we see that happening right now well i i don't know if the answer is like universal across the board i i don't think it's to the magnitude that people thought from like an nil standpoint i mean people can be upset about it people can be irked about it but you know, when Indiana plays Purdue, people still watch. When Notre Dame plays USC, people still watch. So, you know, it, it, it's, you know, interesting debate, and it's a debate that I have, you know, quite often with, you know, friends or family members that love sports about, yeah, I, man, I just don't like the NIL, and I miss the amateurism of it. But at the end of the day, people still consume it. Um, and, and I don't know, maybe we'll reach a time where either it becomes tiresome or it becomes the norm, and we'll see how – people react to that then but as far as the pitch clock in baseball i mean to me i think that's been an advantage if if anything i i think it's attracted a little bit more of a viewer that says oh you know i just flipped this game on in the sixth inning i know that i probably only need to commit like an hour maybe a little bit over an hour whereas you know potentially it was longer than than that i, yeah, I feel like the nba numbers are still super strong based off the tv ratings and everything when you know everybody thought from a whatever a social issue standpoint that people weren't going to stop watching the NBA. I don't think that's been the case at all. So I, I don't think it was like a blanket statement across the board. I do think the, the potential for streaming to be the norm moving forward. Like I find it so much easier with cable to just do a, a quick little flip back and forth. You know, for example, if you know, I want to watch the Reds tomorrow night and I also want to watch game five. I mean, that's, that's pretty easy for me. And if I were, you know, just streaming, uh, that's a little bit more of a hurdle to jump through, which is not just a previous channel. And, and, I, and I know there's probably ways that you can make it a little bit easier, but for the for kind of the average technological brain, it, it's not as easy as what we're used to with cable. So that could be an element that, you know, I'm sure like my parents getting used to the Internet, it's just something that over time uh, people will, will evolve to. But outside of that, I, I don't – I mean – I don't think from a rating standpoint there's anything that's like drastically down across sports just because NIL or pitch clock or whatever social issues. I can't adapt to or I couldn't adapt to the whole uh, streaming and having to take that long because I like you. I have I have direct TV and I have and, and it by far is not the greatest. It's not a a fail proof solution to getting what you want but it's the closest to me to where i know what i want to watch and when i want to watch it and i know it's going to be there and that's the reason why i don't cut the cord that's the reason why i I, I pay a ridiculous amount of money every month it is so stupid how much i pay i mean i need to be just have my ass whipped for paying that much money (laughs) but i do because i want everything that i know that i want to see 
right there for me. So that to me is the best choice to make right now. I don't know if it's going to be the best choice to make in six months or a year or two years down the road, but as of right now, it is for me. I just it, My daughter has a Roku stick in her room, and while that can be fun watching Pluto and watching old shows like that, which I enjoy, it can be a hassle going from place to place, and I don't want it to be. That's why I stay where I am. Yeah, I mean, I I know that you know you and I from there's there's certainly an age difference, but like I couldn't I, I mean I am fully on the same page that you are. Whereas there are a lot of people that are my age, 33 years old, that you know they've been done with cable for several years now. But I I just I will pay a little bit more for convenience. I will pay a little bit more knowing that from a DVR standpoint and DVR in Colts games or Pacers games or IU pretty like all of that is just very easy and seamless for me. And it's just a little bit of a hassle. And, and some of it is probably job-related. But, uh, you know, I, I'm a big enough sports fan that I am willing to, I, I think, you know, go down that path. And, again, to your point, how long? Who knows? Um, and, you know, of, of all of it, not to, like, promote streaming services, but, you know, my, my in-laws are big UTT, YouTube TVers. And that seems like a pretty good product. Uh, but there's been times where, you know, they've had, you know, lagging issues or if I'm not mistaken, I don't believe the Pacers are on YouTube TV. I could have been wrong, um, but that's obviously been a problem with, with Valley Sports as well. Um, I do think, you know, when you look at like the Big Ten, for example, and they're starting to be on a lot of different networks, and I think that will be something that will be interesting. Like, I don't, I don't remember exactly what the breakdown was, but isn't there like a decent chunk of Big Ten games on Peacock next year? Uh, I'm talking so, like big yeah. basketball game, right? And then you know, obviously they've kind of they've bled into the F1 or um, FS1, I should say. So you know, primarily it's just been like, okay, Big Ten Network or ESPN. Like those are the channels you have to look for on a Tuesday night for Indiana and Iowa. Well, now it's okay. Are they on FS1? Oh, you know, are they on Peacock? Like now it's going to be a little bit more. And, and obviously then you're getting into cable and streaming. So. I, I guess to your earlier question about will that start to turn some people off, you know, possibly. Um, maybe you will see some viewership numbers go down, but I I think the brands are strong enough that they will have staying power. Maybe you'll just lose out on a little, little bit more of a casual game. Like, hey, I'd love to watch, you know, Arkansas and Alabama as a two-point game with three minutes to go. Well, I'm not going to scramble out of my way to find SEC Network or ESPN Plus to find that, whereas if it was just a simple click over to ESPN2, then obviously I might be a little bit more willing to to do that. The morning show has Kevin Bowen and Jake Query weekday mornings here on the fan from seven until ten a.m. and Kevin Bowen's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline with us now. We used to in the uh, cow field near my house when we played football. We did not have kickoffs. We just threw it down the field, right, and took off with it. It seems like that maybe now with kickoffs in the NFL, we're about at that point because it makes you wonder if that's what is going to take place. Why mess with it at all? Yes. No. Yeah. And I think the kick return in general has kind of, it's not extinct, but would we miss it if it went away? I mean, just the kick. I mean, will we miss it? Will we go, Oh man, I miss that. Yeah. I mean, we probably moan a little bit, but you know, I, again, how many people are, whatever, you know, jumping up and down for a kickoff. Uh, I mean, sure, it's cool to have an iconic moment that every Super Bowl kind of opened up in that manner every game. But, you know, I, I think you can make some slight tweaks to it and still kind of keep alive 
you know, back end of the roster guys. I don't know if, again, people really necessarily care about that from a star standpoint, but, you know, I, I thought Dyer Franklin, I thought he had a really accurate tweet. And I agree. Dyer's a guy I agree. That, yeah. You know, made his impact in the NFL on special teams first and then has grown into a really good defensive player. Um, but in, in, and I'm paraphrasing here, but, you know, Dyer Franklin pretty much said, like, at some point, you just got to accept that football is a violent game. And if, if you want seven on seven, then go play seven on seven. But you can't just keep trying to, you know, kind of get away from that. And it, it sounds a little harsh. And I appreciate Dyer saying that because it sounds different than just me sitting on my couch to, to say that. But I've always kind of felt like you sign on the dotted line for a reason and you know the amount of risk. And can you make tweaks from an equipment standpoint to enhance safety? Certainly. Can you tweak some plays and, you know, try and do that? Yeah. I'm all fine and well with that, but just outright removing plays from the game, I just think that's a slippery slope to go down. Now, again, having said that, it's a kickoff and a kick return. I think the Colts had 33 of them last year, and we know the Colts gave up a lot of points. So if any team was supposed to have a lot of kickoffs or kick returns last year, it would have been the Colts. Uh, so they have less than two a game. So it's not like you're, you're missing some you know, iconic play or even a frequent play for that matter. I, I am curious, I brought this up to Jake earlier today, I actually think the XFL has a decent alternative to it. And that is pretty much they line up the 10 return guys that aren't the actual kick returner, the 10 blockers, if you will. They line them up at, at, at their own 30, and then they line up the 10 cover guys that aren't the kicker at the 35. So basically you have a five-yard period to engage in blocking. And it looks a little bit more rugby scrummish. But that obviously takes out the amount of distance and speed that, you know, guys can rev up to. And I think we all remember here in Indy that iconic hit that Daryl Reed had on a kickoff. He just, I think, I, for some reason, a Titans player is popping in my head. But just a huge hit that he had. On, and, and there's so many, you know, big hits. You know, hell, McAfee's big hit on Trenton Holiday. You know, I, I, I think kind of getting away from that and turning it a little bit more into almost like a punt that could be something that you go down. And the XFL, I have seen like some creative highlights of teams, you know, being pretty, um, pretty unique with you know, having one of the blockers come down or, you know, come to the backfield and almost like an end around uh, with the actual, actual kick return guy. So, you know, that could be something that I think that you, you know, try and do, but um, I guess to the overall point, it just seems like, you know, by 2030 or 2035, you know, you're going to see potentially all of the kicking out of the game outside of, you know, maybe field goals. So what do you do with the onside kick, which I think is the real reason why it even hangs on right now? What, what do you do with that? I know it doesn't happen very often. I know that there's not a, an exciting outcome very often, but when it is, it certainly is. What do you do with that? And it's a way for a team to, to maintain, try to get back in. Yeah, I, I actually like the 4th and 15 idea. Um, I think the Pro Bowl, didn't they do that in the Pro Bowl this year? I think year? so, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's something that, and it looks like the NFL is open-minded to that. I mean, 4th and 15 from your own 20, own 25, something like that. Now, that I think that is a much higher percentage to have a success rate. I get it's 4th and 15, but in a pass-happy NFL, and when defensive backs panic at every moment down the field, all it takes is one flag, and boom, you've got a first down and you got the ball back. So... That is probably the path that I would go. Because, I mean, onside kicks, I mean, you literally have guys out there that are just purely out there to give up their body. 
and you know basically just take out the front line of defense, if you will, and allow a you know Jack Doyle or a Michael Pittman to you know field the uh, field the onside kick. So that is a play. And again, I know I'm probably talking out of both sides of my mouth now because I, I'd like to see the kickoff tweaked a little bit, but still in there. The onside kick to me is again it's a play that happens. I mean, what five times a season yeah. for a team if right. that. And, you but know, but if you need it, if you need off. it, and it's not there, it is going to be hugely yeah, then missed. You're screwed. Yeah, right, right. Then you're screwed. But I just, I think the Zaire Franklin tweet is pretty darn accurate on how I feel about it. And I know it's a bit harsh, and I know that you know there is a safety element that obviously the NFL is taking into this, and you know the highest concussed play in the league they say is is kickoffs. And they feel like this will bring down the percentages of not only the concussions on that play, but you know how many times teams will actually kick return it. Uh, you're probably going to have to throw back, I would think, a little bit more of a smarter kick returner. I, I'd opt for a little bit more intelligence and pure speed because I do think you'll have some decisions to make on you know when to fair catch and you know what yard line exactly you would do that on. But I mean, for the most part, I I, I feel like that. The money is at a level where when you sign on that dotted line, you know where it is, and you know what the rules are when you sign up for it. It's not like you are signing up and saying, oh, the game will get safer in three or four years, or they're going to do this and they're that. Equipment, enhancement without question, continue to try and develop helmets and, and, and all of that. Um, but I think if you continue to tinker with the game too much, I don't know. I think that will frustrate some people. Yeah, good luck with that. Continue the frustration. <laughs> hey, by the way, I didn't spend a lot of time on it, uh, but on Saturday, when when Jim Irsay, you know, without anybody asking, tweeted his top five players of all time, didn't mention Peyton Manning. I uh, I did tweet out saying how uh, misguided and misjudged that was, and it appeared that he also got that word because he made some adjustments to that on Twitter yesterday too. Did you notice? I think we're on apology number thirteen. <laughs> if, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, well, you, you've got to put Manning in there. And I don't care if you're you're going with you know you're being real about it. No, you got to put Manning in there if you're Jim Irsay every single time. Yeah, I think he might be tweeting about this more than he t- uh, tweeted about that whale <laughs> Lolita there for a while. There was one point I thought if it wasn't Anthony Richardson at four, they might take the whale. That whale at yeah. at, at, at four. Um, I mean, yeah, if you're say as much as I appreciate his candor and, you know, I appreciate his honesty, he is supposed to be the biggest cheerleader um, for the Colts. And yes. The Manning relationship is already uh, not what I think he would hope it to be. So you would think if anyone would realize that, he would be one to go down uh, that, that path and make sure that Peyton would be on any sort of list that is made there. So I would love, love to hear some true serum out of Peyton Manning when he saw that. And now he's seen the well, seven apologies since. Most people felt that it was kind of a reaction from Jim from seeing Manning at that Denver game in the postseason and, you know, being a part of Denver. And whenever you see him, he normally has an orange tie on, it seems. But, I mean, to me, that's just where he is right now. And that's just the way that it is yeah. right now. But it doesn't matter. It does not matter whatsoever. You got to keep in mind, I mean, Jim Irsay cut him loose. Jim Irsay fired him. So those feelings, no matter what he says, are always going to be there. Maybe not prevalent, maybe not angry, but will always be there. But so should the feelings of Jim uh, of understanding and appreciating what somebody did 
to really help keep his team in this market and certainly to elevate it to a place to where a lot of people, when they first got here for the first 10-plus years, thought it would never be. So that recognition always needs to be there from the owner. Yeah, and I think it's a reminder to Jim of, like, you know, when you do bring those people back in your organization or you do cut them, like, they're, you know, you are going to have some repercussions down the road. And, and I kind of bring that up a little bit more from a Jeff Saturday standpoint of, like, you know, when you threw him into the fire and, and now you kind of expose him a bit in a role that he's not used to, I mean, right or wrong, you're just going to bring natural criticism from, from your fan base. Uh, to that guy, I, I, I do think there comes a point in time where people will kind of remove themselves and, and, you know, recall that, you know, Saturday was obviously a great player and a huge part of that era, but it's pretty fresh right now, the other role that you brought him here to do. So, you know, Manny lives in Denver. He's going to do the schedule video every year of the Broncos. Yep. You know, Marshall's going to grow up and wear a Russell Wilson jersey for the next yep. couple of years and whatever. I mean, like it's – They're going to like the Nuggets and not the Pacers, all that, yes. Right. Mm. And that's just, you know, that's that's part of life. And I'm sitting here saying, you know, 2011, 2012 should have been different because of all of that. But I just think there's got to be a level of acceptance. But at the same time, you still acknowledge Peyton for what he has done and what he, in a way, continues to do for your uh, for your franchise. All right, Graham's griping at me here. I got to go really quick. But I did want to ask you this. Are there pretty good odds that at some point this summer in a deal, and I would expect the Pacers, as I'm sure you do as well, to be active, that Buddy Heald's going to be a part of it? Do you buy Buddy Heald coming off the bench and being a sixth man with this team coming up this year? That's interesting. I haven't given that a ton of thought. He has done that at some point in his career, correct? I, I, I believe so, yes. Full, yeah. full-time starter. Um, I, I would think he'd be relatively open-minded to it. You know, Buddy, obviously, as long as you get him his shots, I think he will be. So, what are you, are you thinking you're adding someone with Matherin and Halliburton? To yeah, I, yeah, I, th- I think I think this is going to be um, already established player city at some point this offseason. That's what my thinking is. You? Yeah, see, I, I wouldn't mind a Turner, Matherin, Heald, Halliburton. There's four of the five, and then you add the fifth piece. Uh, into that starting lineup. And again, let's just throw out a, a, a random name of an a OG Ananobi or Jalen Brown, and let's shoot for the moon here for a second. Like, I think in today's NBA, that guy could play the four. And sure, you're going to have lineups where you're going to go a little bit bigger and things like that, but um, that is kind of how I view things right now. Because I do think healed spacing is just so vital. Well, I do too. Just that. being guarded. Yes, I agree. Something defensively, but you know he's one of the top five or six guys in the NBA in terms of scouting report. We don't leave him at all, and that is extremely valuable when you have Matherin out there who is a bit streaky, and obviously Tyrese from a driving standpoint. Well, I'm almost proud of you right here because you're actually talking about this in the now and not about the future. Because when I bring this up and I talk about how essential. Buddy Heald is for this team in volume three-point making and the fact that you have to account for him wherever he is defensively if you're the other team. All I get in return is, well, his contract's going to be incredibly outdated and way too expensive. you got to get rid of him coming up before the All-Star break so or before the trade deadline. I get that all the time. So you are like on the same page. You kind of want to go after it right now with me. That's yeah, well done. I, I, I... I will say this about Heald. I just think he's got a skill that won't deteriorate like some other guys. Like shooting, I think, is an art that you can do for a, a decently long time in the NBA compared to like pure athleticism or explosiveness or however else you want to describe it. Heald's also been very durable. Now, having said that, he's a huge liability on the defensive end. So 
I don't view any – I mean, outside of, I guess, Halliburton. I mean, hell, no one is untouchable. In my, this would be five untouchable players in the NBA, if that. So I'd answer calls on everybody, to be frank. But I think there is an extreme value to having Buddy Heald on your team. And if you were to not have him, you better take a massive step forward defensively because that's going to hurt you offensively well, well, from a spacing uh, standpoint. That'd be the only reason. The only justifiable reason is because he can't play defense. And you mentioned that that is a sustainable asset he has, a three-point shooting that won't go away anytime soon. Neither will his higher level of defensive play. That's not going to happen either. So you got to take with good with the bad. And in a league where we see it right now, three-point shot-making ability, my friend, I will take it. So, yes, right there with you. All right, what you guys got coming up tomorrow? We have got, I think, Connor Daly, if I'm not mistaken. I think we're still trying to get a few more drivers on, certainly tomorrow or Friday. Um, and then I think Chris Denary joins us. So Jake passes it off to Chris Denary and leaves Chris two or three seconds to give his turn four analysis in and then passes it to Mark James. So, yeah, uh, yeah we'll have uh, Chris Denary on tomorrow. Simon Pagano came on today and called the shot. He said he's going to win his second. I like it. We had Pagano on a few times last year. He's, yeah. uh, he's a really good interview. Yeah, nice. I, I agree. It's um, pretty cool. He said he did that, um, but nobody really knew about it in 2019 when he won. He had, he had called his shot um, right before the race, and he said he really hadn't shared that story before. So I found that interesting, but he called his shot for Sunday right here. I respect it. He's starting it kind of in the back. Get some nice odds on Simon Pagano. Got it. All right. Kevin Bowen, Jake Quay, tomorrow morning, 7 until 10 a.m. We'll see you out there coming up on Friday, too. Thanks, Kev. All right, John. See you Friday. So, uh, Kevin Bowen on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. The Fans Place, Tony Donahue talks racing in the Connor Daly event later on tonight. Tony D's with us next. The Ride with JMV. They call me Cuba Pete. I'm the king of a rumba beat. When I play the maracas, I go chick chicky boom, chick chicky boom. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Well, the legendary Tina Turner passed away today at the age of 83. Mm. Legendary indeed. In a lot of ways. The age of 83 this afternoon. And you see many across social media, you see a lot of certainly notables from Mick Jagger to John Fogarty uh, to Chuck D. I mean, nearly everybody honoring the legendary career personality entertainer that is Tina Turner, who passed away again at the age of 83. All right, earlier, Simon Pagano called his shot. If you missed that, the podcast 107.5thefan.com. He says he's going to win, and we'll come right back on if he wins. Although it'll be a while, because I think next week I'm going to be off for some days, so it'll be a bit. Connor Daly a little bit earlier, Michael Young, the track dude, Michael Young, along with Kevin Bowen, too. Podcast with each 107.5thefan.com, but on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, a very familiar voice. He does a lot of things, and especially with IndyCar in mind, you know him very well. Nobody knows more about it, both past and present. Nobody is a bigger fan of it. And you can go to at the underscore fans underscore place. It is the fans place. 
to find his work and also uh, find your opportunity to win something extra special that you've been wanting that I'll retweet right now. Tony Donnie, who's on the Andy Moore, Automo- Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. How was that? Stumbling down the stretch there for me, just for you. In honor of you, I stumbled on your intro at the end. Well done. It's all right, John. I'm always there to pick you up, man. Thanks for having me. How you guys doing? <laughs> Great. What's up? Hey, first things first, you and Connor Daly tonight up in Noblesville, correct? Uh, yeah, Connor's at the Hamilton Sound Town Center tonight. And tomorrow night he has his final appearance uh, with Michelob Baltro and our friends at Zinc, uh, which would be really cool. They have some cool prizes. You can win yep. a Connor Daly Michelob Baltro cooler. Awesome swag. He'll be signing a lot of graphs. Uh, so, yeah, got a lot going on this month of May, or I guess two weeks of May. Who do we need to give love to over at Zinc, by the way? Who's working with you? Uh, Courtney's doing a great oh, job. Oh, I love Courtney. Here. Love yeah, Courtney. We, we all love Courtney. Garrett's helping us out. Uh, both Jim and Chris uh, helping us get this promotion going. And, uh, yeah, if you retweet what we sent out to you, the Fans Place app, we're a local sports prediction app here in Indy um, under the Techstars banner, which has some – which helps upstart companies get going here at Indy. There's uh, the Speedway, the Colts, the Pacers are invested in it. And we partner with a lot of uh, bars here locally, like obviously the Slippery Noodle, one of your favorite places. Connors, Average Joe's, um, about 50 50 to 60 bars here in town. And you can play free sports prediction contests daily. Uh, We have a daily street contest, and it is always free to the users. So uh, it's a lot of fun to check out. We have a huge IndyCar contest going every week with prizes from the shop in broad ripple and this week we have huge prizes uh, some autographed items for our indianapolis 500 contest coming up on sunday um how, how is the uh new ownership doing with the noodle because I, I i haven't talked to my man cappy in a while i love cappy and i know that they uh transitioned into new ownership how's it going yeah we were over there last week with the fans place michelob ultra and the simulator that we've rented uh, that we've bought and taken to a bunch of uh, different bars in town to kind of simulate what it's like to run Indy 500. And it was great. Uh, It seemed to me it was a flawless transition. I don't know how the ins and outs and the workings of it went, uh, but certainly was a fun time there. had a great crowd, and uh, it's always good to be at the Noodle. You know that. No, no doubt about that. Tony Donahue, again, you can find his his work, and you can find your chance to win right now at the Fans Place. Again, that's at the underscore fans underscore place on Twitter to retweet and win. So I mentioned this to Kevin Bowen right before you came on. Simon Pagino of Meyer Shank Racing joined me in the 3 o'clock hour and called his shot. And the reason why he called his shot is because, A, he feels really good about his chances, but, B, he said the last time he felt this good about where he is in his car and his team was when he won it, and he also said he called his shot back in 2019. Is there a reason to give that much more of a look than maybe some might be right now? I love Simon. I love the confidence, and he had a really good 500 last year finishing inside of the top 10. Uh, Michael Young made the point earlier in the show, and I, I, I agree 100%. It's just tough to win from 15th on back. The track position is tough. Unless you get a yellow and you can move up towards the field, which Connor Daly has done the last couple of years to lead uh, numerous laps, not only last year, but 2021 as well. Um, I like Simon Pagino. The transition to Meyershank Racing hasn't been what I think he is expected it to be a year and a half into it. Uh, I do like the confidence, but it's going to be a, a tough go of it for Simon. But but he's fast, he's methodical, and he's one of those guys that knows how to be there at the end. And this is a veteran race. I mean, Marcus Erickson last year at 32 years old, and Alexander Rossi 
and 2016, who was 26. Those are the youngest winners we've had in like 15 or 16 years at Indianapolis 500. This is a this is a 35 plus uh, Indianapolis 500 winner series that we've had over the last probably 10 to 12 years. Think about Elio and Sato and even Simon, uh, Will Power, um, Juan Pablo Montoya, your boy, back in 2015. So this this is a, this is a quote unquote in IndyCar terms and an old man's race. So he can certainly be there at the end. And, and all you got to do, as Connor said, is be there after that last pit stop inside of that top five and anything can happen. You think this goes deeper than the first three rows? Because Track Dude and I were talking about that and he may have even said the first two rows. But do they? is there realistically a shot once you dig any deeper past the first three? I mean, you go back to 2017 to Takuma Sato, uh, everybody has started inside, I believe, the top 12 positions going back to 2017. Um, it could. It, it's going to be a. It looks like it's going to be perfect temperatures, 80 degrees. So you know, the tire degradation is really what's something to watch out for. And I think the tires, the fuel will outlast the tires on Sunday. So you'll see a lot of drivers trying to undercut. So if you're seventh, seventh, eighth, ninth on back, you undercut the leaders where you pit early. Hope you get a yellow, and that can cycle you through, and and that can screw you like it did Alex Pillow last year, where he had just dove on the pit road when the yellow came out. That cycled them all the way back as the pits had closed. You had to come through. Um, it, it could happen, but, you know, if, if, if you're looking to pick a winner, I think it's going to come within that first. I'd probably give you row five because Ed Carpenter, I think Scott McLaughlin are in that, that, that row five, if I'm not mistaken. But anybody 15th on back, 16th on back, I know I want to add Connor in there. It's, it's going to take a perfect day as every driver you talk to talks about. Uh, it can certainly happen, but but I think your winner comes from those first, probably at, at most four rows. Well, in, in, in Pagano in 2019 went from pole to win, and a lot of people are thinking that's what Alex Pelot is going to do, go from the pole to win. And I was talking to Pagano about how perfect you have to be, and he goes, you kind of know you already have the car, then you have to maintain you know, a level of near perfection as you wheel that thing around. Might we see that happen much like we did with Pagano in 2019? It's possible. Um, Alex Pelot is the guy who finished second two years ago and, you know, nearly won the race going late into that race with Elio Castroneves. And then last year, he had the second best car. And like I said, uh, he got shuffled back from that pit stop when he came in uh, under the yellow flag. So it can certainly happen. And, you know, you have to have more of a perfect race starting in the middle of the pack to get up front. You know, you don't want to get messed up in somebody else's accident. You don't want to go into turn one and lap one and somebody makes a bold move and you don't see it and it ruins your day before it started. I mean, it, it'll be set on the broadcast. It's set every year. You can't win it in the first term, but you can certainly lose it in the first term. As far as Alex Pelot goes, I mean, he is just rolling on all cylinders. And, yes, it's very similar to 2019 with the the, the, the dominating Grand Prix performance, even though Simon kind of came through the rain in that Grand Prix race, but then to qualify on the pole. Uh, but Simon is the only driver to win the 500 from the pole dating back to 2009 when Elio Castro Neves did it. Um, so it doesn't happen that often. Uh, it, it's tough to be on the pole, get out in front and lead because you're breaking that air for everybody behind you. So you're going to have less fuel mileage. And once you get past and you get shuffled back, there's just so many adjustments you have to make to your car. Usually when somebody leads and dominates, and then if something were to happen on a restart and a drive, you know, two or three cars pass him, you got to adjust your car so much that it just totally changes the dynamic. So 
it's very tough to win from the pole here. So Tony Donahue again, and I want you to go ahead and get on Twitter here, and it's the fans place at the underscore fans underscore place where you can retweet and win. And this reminder that Tony and Connor Daly of ECR will be up at Hamilton, uh, at the Hamilton Center, right? At uh, Total Wine. Is that where you are tonight? Yep. Connor will be up there later on tonight. Should be a, uh, should be a good autograph signing up there close to his, uh, to his hometown. Who's your pick, by the way? To win? Yeah. I'm going to go to Kumasato. Wait a minute. That's what I did. But then uh, Passiano tried to change my mind. Uh, well, he said, you, you need to go Connor, with me. I better, I better get off of that and pick somebody else, right? <laughs> well, I'm, I listen, I'm a jinx. Like I mentioned Indiana State and the Missouri Valley Conference. They, they were like down to UIC a minute ago. So I'm doing my best to try to hose everybody. There's no way Connor Daly is going to be happy about coming on this show as an end result. So, is that the Costanza effect that you feel oh, like you, you're giving I'm, out? I'm just a jinx, I think, right here. Yeah, I don't yeah, like. I, I like Takuma Sato much like you did, uh, but I I can't lie. The the Pagano because he's been there and done that, uh, kind of caught and piqued my interest a little bit earlier today. But I'll probably stick with Sato. And and I don't know if you feel this way too, uh, but a guy that is flying a little bit under the radar and, and hasn't came up as much as Alexander Rossi. I really like the way his car was in traffic on Monday. We'll see on Friday. That's a beautiful livery dating back to Johnny Rutherford, McLaren, Indianapolis 500 win. Rossi is hungry. We know back in 2019 he finished second. He was right there. Um, I think on Sunday we're going to be talking about late in the race, Alexander Rossi being in the hunt as well. It's Tony Donahue back here gloriously. Everything going okay for you? Everything's good, man. I mean, of course, we want Ed Carpenter to win, right? That's your and I's favorite guy, but yeah, uh, we yeah. shall see. But, yeah, no, the, we got a great contest on the app. I hope everybody will check it out. We want to send two people out to Carb Day. Compliments of the fans' place. Thank you for your time. Um, but, yeah, it's out in that, that – there's a building out in Turn 3. I think you've seen it. It's the Performance Center. Uh, you got a great view of the track, a great view of the concert, which I know you're looking forward to a little bit. Yep. Um, and Carb Day should be fine, man. Let's have a drink. Thanks for uh, allowing me to come on and uh, – you know, you and I have a lot of conversations off the air. It's going to be back on the air with you for sure. <laughs> no, I can't thank you enough for chauffeuring Blake and his date around for the prom last month, too. He's still talking about that. <laughs> well, that was, uh, I was happy to do it to help you out for sure. All right, buddy. Appreciate that. And again, all people have to do right now is go to at the underscore fans underscore place to retweet that and try to win, correct? Yeah, download the app, hop in our contest this weekend as well. We do. Every sport you can think of, we give away gift cards. You can add, you can earn tokens and points to redeem at different restaurants and bars here locally in Indy. We have cash prizes. The shop's been great to add some shirts to our prize list. So just trying to grow it, man. Have a we're having a great time with it. March was huge for us, and and we're uh, we're having a hell of a May so far. All right, so Tony Donnie, right there in the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Have fun with Connor later on tonight. I'll see you out there Friday. See you Friday. I'll bring you a Mick Ultra. You got it. I'll be right there for that. Thank you, Tony Donahue. Uh, Jay Query just walked in here, too. I thought he was going to sit down, but he bailed. Walked the other way. There he is. What is up? What are you dropping off here? I had to uh, do a little recording, John. A little record. Happy to hear Tony's back on the air. Yeah. (laughs) It just was. There he was. I didn't didn't know when that restraining order ended. No, all good. Good to see you. I am uh, on my way to Circle City Raceway. If you're going to be at Circle City Raceway tonight, stop by and say hi. I would love to see everybody. Circle City Raceway, on my way there now.
Now, what, you, now what are you doing there? Tell them really I quick. might see Tony there, actually. I'm just watching racing, to be honest with you. Um, getting set for the weekend, obviously, on Carb Day Eve Eve, right? Yeah. So, going to go out watch some racing tonight. Watch them. They got a new surface out there. And going to uh, watch some cars go around. And Tony might be out there. He's a gearhead. So I Tell JB, him. too, that I said hello. Will do. Do that. Jay Query, Circle City Raceway, later on tonight. Hey, Tell watch. him hello. Quick break, and we'll come back. Jodeci tickets, block party. This is major. I'll do that coming up and give you a chance to win. That's a show that's coming to the TCU Amphitheater in August. Chance to win is coming up. 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. No, this isn't an argument. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. It's just contradiction. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. It is not. It is. <laughs> you just contradicted me. No, I didn't. Oh, you did. No, 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 no. You did just no, 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 no nonsense. Oh, look, this is futile. No, it isn't. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. All right, crank it up here. Graham. A little slow jam right here. Mike Wellstyle, Jodeci, SWV, and Drew Hill. It's called a Block Party TCU Amphitheater, White River State Park, which is a spectacular venue. This is one that you take the lady to right here. That's what you do. You make it a night and let Jodeci close this thing out and do the rest for you right here. August 13th. TCU Amphitheater. It is a block party with Jodeci, SWV, and Drew Hill. Number nine at 239-1070 will go on us. Seriously. You just take her and let the fellas of Jodeci do the rest. That's simple. All good. Good to have Tony Donahue back on, too. Tony Donahue, again, has your opportunity to win some tickets right now. You can just retweet it. Uh, If you missed that a little bit earlier. Podcast with Tony, his thoughts, his thoughts on who's going to win, how far back they may have to derive from, if that is a possibility. But you can also retweet to win at the underscore fans underscore place. Uh, you can do that right now. And again, Tony and Connor Daly up at the Hamilton Town Center. Total Wine coming up here in just a little bit, too. And, and Jake Query popped in. Jake Query, the morning show, and Jake Query of the IMS Radio Network. Jake is going to be out at Circle City Raceway. Shout out to Jonathan Bird II. That's JB2 right there where there is racing coming up later on tonight. I was there a year ago, and that's a glorious spot over there, the Marion County Fairgrounds. Like right off, you can see it from 465, but to get there, you get off of uh, Southeastern Avenue, I believe it is over there. But, man, it is nice. Check it out if you want any racing later on tonight, and you can probably hear Jake Query on the PA. Man, what a day. You guys have been spectacular. Sorry about the foobar within the lounge via YouTube Live. Was that ever fixed or we stayed fro? Oh, we're good. We got it back on track. Well, Joni Linville was in there, and with Joni in there, I thought we had to make it as good as possible. I'm glad we got that fixed. Shout out to Graham over there who did not substantially hose anything up. Well done out of you, Graham. James is here, as always. Hey, tomorrow, Eddie's Sports Pub in Noblesville Tavern Tour Stop, month of May. 
They have Sloppy Joes. We're all going to drink a number of samples from Heaven Hill Distillery and going to love the loose meat Sloppy Joe sandwiches and more up there. Cannot wait. Patrick, we're coming. If you go there tonight, tell Patrick hello. Simon Pagano, Connor Daly, Track Dude, Kevin Bowen, Tony Donahue, 107.5thefan.com. Tavern Tour, Eddie's, Noblesville, tomorrow. I'll see you there at 3.